Excuse what? me? Thanks, Mom, Thanks, what, what are you about buggy. to put me through? Oh, that ditch ain't nothing. Oh, that bitch ain't nothing. No, that ditch ain't nothing. That bitch or that ditch? Ditch, like D. Oh, because he's mudding his big old truck. Okay, okay. Do you understand? I have three things about that. Number one, my first theory. Okay. Do you remember Lynn Steal My Sunshine? Yeah. They they just reformed and wanted to make money again, and that's them. That's the brother and sister. Fair enough. That's number one. Okay. Because if you listen to the voice of the girl and the guy, it's possible. Yeah, but the guy isn't old enough. Like... Yeah. And maybe some surgery. I don't know. Maybe Lynn was like, we need to get back in the spotlight. Yeah, I guess so. What's popping off right now? Well, apparently this hip hop thing is going on. But that's that, that that song's three years old. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, you couldn't really do that song now and expect it to be relevant. Not that it was when the guy did it, but because uh, like the Dougie thing was like, that was about three years ago. I feel well, like. that guy died, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cali Swag. Uh, Cali Swag District. Yes, yeah, Cali oh, Swag that's, District. That's really upsetting. For um, some reason, I want to say sector. I don't know why. No one uses the word sector. Chuggo like does. Mortal Kombat, man. Oh, Mortal Kombat does use sector. Um, so, <clears throat> I, what was the third thing? I don't remember. The first one was Lynn. The second one, I didn't even get to the second one, did I? Mm-mm. What was the lyric that he said? Oh, two. I used to be, um, me and my friend Dusty, man, we had to have recorded this at this point, what, about eight or nine years ago? Oh, it was longer than that. Um, it was. It had to be at least ten. We had because you guys played at that show we've talked about on here, where the guy got stabbed and and I found a sword and yeah. a guy was shooting a cannon. cannon yeah. Um, me and my friend Dusty, I would say, yeah, about ten years ago, we were apparently I think just too much ahead of the curve, so we might need to make another album. Yeah. But we spent one day. Him and I used to like um, the venue around here, like where all the bands used to come to. Like in the '90s and early 2000s, like when punk rock bands like could sell 1,500 cap venues, like when the New Found Glory is listening oh, to today. Listen, 1,500 cap guys, just little industry term. <laughs> just I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> so just gonna drop drop some more industry terms on our. I just mean back like you know like when the queers or all or like yeah. say the day would come, they would come to Bogarts, and mm-hmm. those bands just sadly aren't doing 1,500 type places anymore at all. Instead, you're much better and cooler bands doing it. Yeah, no. that's true. Cause, uh, <laughs> Not really at all. No. But um, So me and Dusty would just talk in these like really loud, obnoxious redneck accents because we were like 18 and we were just assholes. But uh, we eventually decided to turn it into a band. When I say band, I mean like him and I recorded on his MacBook an entire record. And we called the band Big Squirrel. Yeah. A few listeners know about it. Um, yeah. 
And you can still find it on MySpace, but I'll tell you right now that if you're easily offended or if you're here because of mixtapes, uh, this is me over 10 years ago. So you're going to hear some language you might not like. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and likely, throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you should look it up because it's still brilliant. But uh, we called it Big Squirrel because there's the flea market around here is called Trader's World. And one time, Dusty and I were there, and a guy was just selling squirrels, and he had them in an aquarium, and they were clearly squirrels that he just got in his backyard somehow, uh-huh. and he had them in an aquarium. <laughs> and like we walked by, and this guy was with his daughter, and he was just like, well, I don't really understand. Like, So what do you feed it, or this or that? Or like, how do you catch them? I goes, can't catch them. I'm too fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we had to stop and listen. And they're like, the dad was like, what? He's like, you can't catch them too fast. What you got to do is you got to get them right here by the squirrel handle, which was its tail. Yeah. And he picks the squirrel up and he's like, they don't mind this. And the squirrel was like, ah! <laughs> like, and obviously minded it so bad. Yeah, it so hated that. We were like, we need to make like a redneck rock rap band called Big Squirrel. Um, the whole album is recorded on like Casio keyboard drums, guitar, and me and Dusty singing. But my main point of all of this... Sometimes not even with any of those things, just you guys sometimes singing. Sometimes it's just our vocals. That's true. You should look up the MySpace if it still exists. But um, I wonder. That's weird. There's got to be a song that we can play that doesn't have any really homophobic lyrics. <laughs> well, the problem is, is you guys were supposed to be... Well, that was the point. That's what I mean. Is uh, It was like literally like we had characters and we what had names. Hell? What was it... Is there like Ohio on it or something like that? Because Big Squirrel now is a guy from England. Can you just search like all the bands? There should be a come up. I'm not sure. But should be a come up? No, a come up. Like where it comes up with like all the different big oh. squirrels, which I can't imagine there's many, but apparently maybe there are. Um, no, that was the point is we had characters and we were called Big Squirrel after this redneck traders um swap meet thing and we made a record. My point is because of that song, is we had a song called Mudden. Which was about going mudden for the most part. All of our songs were either about going mudden, having sex with chicks, getting drunk, or getting high. Yeah. And that was it. And mudden... So essentially just what all your songs are about now. Yeah, pretty much the same as mixtapes, right? (laughs) And we had characters. um, Dusty's name was Spare Tire. (laughs) I don't remember what mine was. We were called Big Squirrel. And we made an album. And what's funny about it is it became like this cultural phenomenon around here for a while. And we made 300 copies with an insert, and we went to the mall that I used to work at, and we sold every single one of them for a dollar. So there's 300, like, because we just taught people into it. They didn't know anything about it. So there's 300 people out there that have this album that I will tell you right now, they probably went home, put it in, and were puzzled as shit and wondering why they bought it. Right. But I, um, the lyrics to Mudden, unless oh, Justin can find, oh, you found it, is Mudden on there? I don't know. I've got to. Wow, the MySpace does still exist. If you'd like to give people the URL, as soon as it just don't hate me comes up, I don't know. Oh, the new MySpace is the worst. They're trying to make it seem really cool. Why does it exist? No one knows. So, because Pharrell's getting paid to buy that Arby's hat from it, I think. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. Um, Mudden's not on there. What songs are on there? Hell yeah, sugar, we're going down, and I punched her in the face. I think you should play some Rock Punch. <laughs> Which the URL is myspace.com slash big squirrel hell yeah. <laughs> play, play. I punched her in the face. All right. Just so people have an idea of uh, what people bought at the mall 300 people. 
And we did play one show. We'll get to that later. We talked about some of it. My beer was warm and my winds were cold. Let me tell you, this shit's getting old. Where's my waitress? Where's that slut? I'm about to punch her in the face. Um, that's a taste. It's an eleven track album. So if you're curious, hit me up, and I I still have it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you're offended by the language, I apologize. I was 18 years old and just young and, and stupid. But I'll still punch a waitress' teeth oh, right yeah, the fuck out. So it doesn't really matter. But your wings got cold. <laughs> the wings got cold. My beer got warm. What am I? What are, what are you? Which do I still that? don't understand because. Like, isn't that your fault? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when your name is Spare Tire, uh, yeah. and you're from uh, Eastern Kentucky, or Bullock County, Kentucky, right. wherever we made up we were from, no. it's the waitress's fault, and it's the woman's fault. Well, Now, here in our civilized culture, yes, if your wings got cold and your beer got warm, it's because you didn't eat them fast enough. Right. Well, that's not how Spare Tire's going to think, is it? No, I don't, I don't guess so. I wouldn't imagine. But my point is, we have a song called Mudden on the album. And we were so ahead of the curve because now all these like rap country guys are literally making millions of dollars singing about mudding. So maybe it's time for a big squirrel comeback. I, I can't imagine that there's any call for that. You don't but. think that there's a market for what, what, we, what we just heard? Uh, uh, you know what? Yeah, probably. There's at least eight guys named Dale that would like it. Look, if there's if that redneck crazy song exists, then <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Welcome to Big Snackers, guys. Episode fifty. Am I right? No, I, I think we're at like 48. I think it's 50. <laughs> Check. I'm pretty sure. I think I'm actually right for once. Oh, I don't know what it is. I think it's 50. And if I'm wrong, you can just dangle me right here. No, we're at 48. Are you serious? Yeah. No, there's no way. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I, mean, I can't right. help it. Welcome to Big Snacks number 48. Um, a lot to talk about this week. I had a big weekend, very emotional weekend. Uh, Chris Connolly is calling in, which is pretty oh, fucking wait, cool. Oh, wait, no, we're at 49. Okay, 40, so. I forgot to add to the Tumblr the episode, uh, the last episode. Oh, you should do that. Nah, what's the point? No, I'm just kidding, I will. Um, so, we got Chris Connolly calling in, mm-hmm. uh, singer of Saves the Day. That's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah. Because... Man's a legend in his own right, I suppose. I guess he's made some music that people have liked over the years. Yeah. So I've heard. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> and uh, I want to talk about The weekend. And I, there's a few specific things I'd like to talk about. The weekend, the band? I don't ever want to talk about The weekend, the R&B group, who is trash. You don't? But for some reason, it's so popular. I mean, if you got, like, problems or whatever. Well, do you want to talk about uh, Party Next Door? No, I want to talk about I Love Mackinac. We are not talking about Mackinac, which anyone listening uh, is confused. Me, is, that, is that actually called I Love Mackinac? Thank you. He got mad at me on Twitter. He probably gets mad at a lot of people. And here's what's funny. People don't know who Mackinac is for the most part. A few people listening I know know who Mackinac is. A few people listening I know like Mackinac, Jay. Yeah. And a few people, most people don't. And what's sad is you probably will soon because he's probably going to get really popular. Well, I mean, I can tell you why. If you really well, A, he has Drake. Backing him, 
So you basically have the biggest rapper in the world yeah, putting you on. I mean, I so want, I, I, arguably, I pretty, other than maybe what, Kanye West? I mean, I have a pretty good idea as to why he's going to be so popular. If you say it's because he's good right now, I'm not even talking to you. No, it's because he's got the club going up on a Tuesday. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> I also hate fucking Mackinnon because he changes it with every month. Like last last month, he was October Mackinnon on Twitter, and now he's November Mackinnon. <laughs> It just seems so futile and fucking stupid. The worst was I saw him. Okay, the reason that I even know who he is is because I was bored and I was watching uh, 106 in Park. I'm sorry. Which, like, didn't that show used to be good? Like, didn't they used to... Yeah, because it used to be, like, you know, big timers and juvenile and fucking Lil Wayne and when Lil Wayne was Lil Wayne and not... Before he became an alien or whatever he decided to become. Uh, I'm not a human being is what? Right. One or two. But, uh, yeah. Um, But now, I mean, it's going to be Nicki Minaj and Lil, not Lil John, um, Two Chains. And, yeah, I mean, that's what it's going to be. But I don't know. I mean, I, I just think that that, like, I was watching it and then he came on there. He was on 106 in Park? Yeah. Because they had just released a video with him and Drake on that song. First of all, I didn't know what that song was, so I was just like, okay, I'll watch this. But I had watched his interview shortly before that. <laughs> so I was like, this is going to be terrible. I know that. I was not prepared for how bad it actually is. Yeah. Like, Mackinnon is like this like hipster dude that started because of the same reason like Lil B. Lil B has apparently influenced a lot of people, and I didn't realize that. Yeah. And a lot of people think that's funny. I think it's funny, too. But a lot of people like it, and that's fine. Like whatever you want. Much like we said, though, you can't hate on ICP anymore. No. Your and rights have been revoked to make fun of this ICP This is the thing is, like, is that he – what he's doing has very little to do with Lil B at all. What Agreed. he's doing has more to do with Young Thug and that kind of stuff than it does anything. But those guys are all influenced by Lil B. No, I understand. And what I'm saying is what's funny is the reason I hurt Mackinnon – it's because he has a song called I Don't Sell Molly No More. I saw that song title and was like, this is probably something I would like, not being sarcastic, because Justin yeah. and I listen to bad rap. Yeah. like, But different kinds of bad rap. See, there's levels, which I guess we're going to have to get into. Otherwise, people are going to be confused about how we're making fun of it and saying like bad rap. When I saw the song title, I Don't Sell Molly No More, I was like, this is probably going to be something I'm really into. I'm stoked. Then I watched the video, and I was like, this is horrible. But there's different levels of bad rap. Um... I would say if you know who Trinidad James is, yeah, that's bad rap. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, no, I mean he's, he's not, the best. He, he's not good. No, he's but not he is talented. The best. But his album is super, super entertaining. And this all comes down to preference, anyway. So it doesn't matter because I know there's like might be people listening or people out there who think that Mackinnon is just as entertaining as Trinidad James, like as we do. So it's just our opinion, but it's also our fucking podcast. All right. So you get our opinion. And our yeah. opinion is that Mackinac sucks. And Trinidad James' mixtape was great, the first one. Second, yeah, it was. second one, not so much. And now he got dropped from his label already without making an album. So I guess there's great. that. That's so. good. Um, the, yeah, but Mackinac, like, he's just like a sort of hipster version of like a Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, accurate. A Campbell's yeah, Soup Kid. That's accurate. Or something. He like looks like he came on there and he was clearly like kind of stoned. Yeah. But he's one of those guys who, like, if people... What the hell was that? What was that? I don't know. Oh, it must have been... Uh, I mean, it was on uh, Facebook. Um, if people, like, if those, like, dudes that are in the rap 
scene like had to talk to him for more than 10 minutes they would just like clown on him the whole time because he's like all soft spoken and like you know he's like clearly like wants to be like artsy and stuff but he doesn't really know how so he just decided to do like this thug type thing which doesn't make any sense because he looks like he belongs in like I don't know, like a School of Rock revival on Broadway or something like that. As Luckily, um, most websites try to be cool with everybody, but I appreciate um, – I talked back and forth with a few minutes with Shake the other day that runs 2dopeboys.com, yeah. who I'm going to try to actually have on the podcast soon because uh, for people – a lot of people who listen to this, I know probably into hip-hop, but if you're into hip-hop, 2 Dope Boys is like the biggest new site for rap by far on the internet. Yeah, And Shake runs it and – he seems cool. He sent me his email um, about doing the podcast, and we're going to talk. But he clowns on Mackinac a lot. Like, whenever he posts news about him, he's just like, I don't get why people like this trash, like this and that. And I like when popular sites like that to get lots of hits are out there, you know, like. Well, somebody's got to Not say, putting up with bullshit. Yeah. Somebody's <laughs> got to say something because this whole, um, like, purposely making auto-tune sound bad. Yeah. And I, not I, actually singing, but just going, like. <laughs> Uh, like, cause you don't that know was, how to that sing. That was generous. Yeah, I know it was. It's more like this. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was actually too generous, cause you were actually kind of in a melody. Like, um, but no, I. It's funny too, cause whenever they post news about Birdman, I don't remember what they call him, but they won't call him Birdman. <laughs> but it's something with the word shit in the title. <laughs> like they don't say Birdman, and it always makes me laugh too. But yeah, um, um, so. I don't Moving know on. why we started talking about him. Anyway, that song's fucking awful. That's terrible. Drake is an idiot for supporting him. Maybe, um, but it could make a lot of money. Young Thug does. No, it does. It does make a lot of money, and that's fine. That's a savvy choice by him. But, I mean, he's an idiot because he's not promoting things. Like, here's the thing. is Drake acts like he's so, like, sensitive and artistic, right? Like, his whole thing is that he's, like, emotional rap almost. Like... You know what I mean? Like that yeah, he's he, like he's saying thing. things that other people aren't because he's more. Which is funny because Drake isn't saying shit that no, anyone else. No, all he's saying say. is that he's high and he. Like, I like some Drake songs. Yeah, but he's not. Just any, be, okay. Here's the thing: just because you make a song that's five and a half minutes long doesn't mean it has any merit. Like, uh, excuse me. I mean, like, I understand Marvin Droom. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> no, it doesn't mean it has any merit. But he wants to be the guy who says like he's, he's like. You know, he has a lot more to say than just that. Drake wants to be the guy that goes in between being the soft, sensitive guy that wants to invite the girl over for wine and seduce her all night and then talk about how he regrets it the next day after he reads his text messages, but also that if you come near him, he'll pay his homies to shoot you. Yeah. And you don't get to be both. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work. He's like... And um, he falls into the wine girl category because I don't think anyone's intimidated by Drake. No. And he, he's like... um. Like, Drake's like a rapper, like, that belongs on Tinder. <laughs> I agree. You know what I mean? Like, and the whole funny, sad, soft, like, sad thing about this is that Drake is actually a very talented rapper. He is very talented. I will stand right by he's it. He's not a very talented basketball player. And he well, he's not. Have you seen the pictures of Kanye West playing basketball? Oh, I don't even need to. you got to find those sometime. Um, but anyways. Actually, Drake just needs, here's what he needs to do. He needs to stop hanging out with all those fucking people he hangs out with. And, uh... Stop drinking so much fucking lean. Because <laughs> have you noticed that like on every song now, and he's part of the reason why this is so bad, is like almost every song he puts out now, 
he has a part where he forgets where he is and yeah. he just leaves it in and then like starts over again, <laughs> like on the next bar. And it's like, well, that's like rap. I guess that's music in general, but rap, it's funny. is like after Trinidad James did come out, every single song for the next two months was talking about popping a Molly. Yeah. It was so shamefully sad. Yeah. Like from Miley Cyrus, even not even rap. Like it was like that Trinidad James song got so big that T.I. and Jeezy and ready yeah. to remix. And all of a sudden everyone was popping a Molly for two months and now no one is. Because no one really ever was. No. They were just Nobody was in it. the club on Tuesday, except for rich guys who don't have anything to do the next day. Birdman might have been by himself in the club on the Tuesday. Oh, he was like nursing, was. nursing like... Trying to fuck uh, Mackinac? The, <laughs> is that what we're going to say? I mean, honestly, please. Oh, man. Get it over with and say that he's trying to fuck every dude on that label because... For all the non-rap fans, let's uh, move on. But, uh... <laughs> no, I mean... If if you don't know about that, it's a notorious rumor that Birdman is gay. But but it's it's, it's a rumor for the dumbest, most homophobic reasons. Yeah, it's because like such as like, um, there's a picture of Lil Wayne and Birdman kissing. Mm. If you immediately see two guys kissing and you assume that they're like a partner <laughs> yeah, and they're homosexuals, <laughs> I just a yeah. like I get I get the non homophobic thought of like. I guess if I saw a guy and a girl kissing on the mouth, part of me might assume. I don't know, though. But No, like, this is the thing, is that, okay, great, they kissed on the mouth. Uh, if your first thought is, ugh. Well, if your first thought is gross, yeah, then you're then, a piece of shit. Yeah, you're a piece of if shit. If you assume they might be gay, I don't think that's right. No, I don't think it's right either. But at the same time, I wonder how much of that is like a guilty conscience of trying not to offend people. Because when I think about if I saw a guy and a girl kissing, I might assume that they're dating. I probably would. It depends on the type of kiss as well. Like, the well, kiss true. on that picture is like a peck on the mouth like you would give to somebody, like your family member. You well, I was going to tell you. Like, who hasn't kissed their dad, like, harder I than was, that? Well, I was going to tell you that, yeah, the truth on that and on top of that, I just, you know, we did Fest this weekend, which we'll get to later. But I literally kissed probably eight guys this weekend. No joke. And I kissed Nick, the singer of Direct Hit, like, on stage, on the mouth, like... A sloppy kiss. <laughs> and, like, we're not gay. Like, he's married, and I was not gay. So, yeah, people that think Birdman's gay. Hip-hop, unfortunately, is just, in general, very homophobic. Yeah. And everyone knows it is that. It's the same as, like, country. Yeah. Um, rock and, I mean, punk is obviously much Probably further the along. Least, the least Underground hip-hop is very much further along. No, oh, yeah. So if you're getting into the Run the Jewels and all the underground shit and, like, that's racist, it's very progressive. But mainstream... Rap culture is very homophobic. Yeah. Very sexist. Oh, yeah. We've talked about it before. Absolutely. Um, so it's mainstream rock. It's mainstream rock. Actually, you're getting mainstream into, like, anything. Yeah. I guess it is more mainstream because, like, if you get into, like, Puddle Mud and Hinder and stuff, those guys are all pieces of shit. Well, it's the same thing as, like, I mean, anything mainstream. Like, as soon as you have that, like, on a TV show, there's controversy about it. Or that fucking Android commercial they have right now with the Andrew WK song on it where they share the, t- the guy proposing to his boyfriend. Yeah. And it's like, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because it's about a two-second long clip. I was like, that's kind of neat or whatever. And then, like, sure enough, online the next day it was like, this fucking disgusting. You you shouldn't show that to, when children are watching television. It's like, it's like, first of all, no kid would even know what was going on or that was wrong if you weren't so fucking hung up on it. Exactly. It's the same thing right. as, like... If you didn't say anything, they right. would just keep watching. It's the same thing as, like, when you hear kids, like, the, like they're, like, a six-year-old who doesn't even know there's a difference between a black and a white person. The only reason they ever figure that out is because their parents are fucking idiots. Yep. And have to be like, oh, that guy's black, and you, you shouldn't, you know... Killer Mike from Run the Jewels was on a podcast the other day, 
talking about the same thing about how their daughter's in like preschool or first grade and like has white and black friends over and they don't even talk about it because like they just all hang yeah, out. Why the fuck would you? Which talk is about how it? as in 2014 that should be how we're progressing in the first place. Yeah. It shouldn't need to be said. Any fucking time you see like kids that are around like two two gay people or whatever, they do not bat an eye at it and they don't give a shit. The reason, the only time they give a shit is when their parents start going, well, you know, that's wrong. You, you like, shouldn't. You act like your four year olds like, do I like boys? They don't like yeah. anything. They, don't like, they anything like they like no. the sandbox. Yeah. That's what they like to go play in. Well, it's like uh, there's the the one girl I work with, um, or actually, I'm, I guess on her boss or whatever. She she's a lesbian and she's married. And they hold just, on, wait. At your job, do the truckers like give her a ton of shit or like say no, perverted no, shit? No, no, because she's like seriously like one of the most foul mouthed people. Like she doesn't take shit. Oh, from she doesn't people. give a fuck. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Um, and actually, they don't care at all. Like the truckers. Well, she's a lesbian, man. No, no, the truckers don't come in there. The mechanics at my job don't. They just don't care. Like they're just like, oh well, whatever. You know, they yeah. like, not that they're being progressive about it because I guarantee if you ask them, they right. would be like, no, that's disgusting. But that's I wrong. Just, yeah. Um, but anyway, so she she just uh, they got like a foster kid or whatever, and ain't right. This kid's like, <laughs> ain't right. <laughs> Thanks, big squirrel. Uh, <laughs> this kid's like is like three, two and a half, three years old or whatever, and they've had him for a little while now, and he calls her. Mama and the other one, mommy, doesn't fucking bat an eye at it. Doesn't think it's weird at all. Yeah, is around kids it. all the time at preschool and stuff that's that have like mom and dad. Yeah. What do you fucking think happens? Like, how do you like? That's what I always want to ask people who are like, yeah, but you got to teach your kids, and it's like, teach them fucking what? Teach? Shouldn't you be teaching them to be a better person than you are? Here's the only thing you could teach them is, granted, and that girl is it a girl? Uh, it's a boy. It's a boy. There might come a time in grade school or junior high mm-hmm. when that boy does realize that he's different with his parents, and he asks him about it. And the only education you need is that you sit down and explain to him what you are, yeah, we love each how other, you feel, yeah. and that you love each other, and that people can be different. Yeah, and that's if it. you if you need to explain anything other than that, yeah, you're an asshole. I yeah. mean, like that's it. If you there if will you come like, a time probably in your high maybe because who knows because like we're progressing as a society to a degree. Yeah, but there will come a time obviously when that kid realizes like everyone else has a mom and a dad and I don't. Right, but, but then at the same time, like by the time he's probably grown enough to even notice that in the next ten years, he'll probably know. It'll probably be well, it'll probably be legal in every state. Yeah, absolutely. Like so, it won't even be a question anymore. The only time it'll be a question is when someone fucking decides they're going to make fun of him about it, and I hope he bunches him the I fucking face. I hope he punches him right in the nose. Yeah, <laughs> because there's a few things that would incite me to actually be violent, and that's like one of them is like just outright bigotry like that. Absolutely. Because it's, it's useless, and it has no place in modern society, and if we could put it behind, we'd be a lot better off, but we're not. That'd so. be great, yeah. Yeah, but... We're taking small steps. Yeah. No, we are. And, and, I, and I don't know. It's hard to say. is because you and I kind of do like thrive in the punk community. Yeah. I think I see more of the progression than what is actually represented probably by our country. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure, I'm I sure mean, if I turned on sure. CNN or Fox News, which I don't <clears throat> either, I would just be like, fuck, man. Well, I mean, even that. But that tide is turning, too, is like where people are like, are like, um, they more or less are like, look, we don't care about like the gay marriage thing is kind of over because I think people are starting to see like the reason that that was ever an issue is because people were trying to cover up the fact that they were fucking up other stuff. Right. And like now people are like, well, we kind of want like uh, things. We don't care about gay marriage. Like obviously it's going to happen whether we like it or not. We'll just move on. 
So you hear people talking. Uh, now we about got Ebola and their shit. Another <laughs> fucking thing that they're like, look at this while this other thing is happening. Like, don't go vote. You'll get Ebola. Dude, you know, I had like, a few people. Seriously, I've had a few people tell me, just like, like older people, like just be careful. Like Ebola. I'm like, a, I don't even know if Ebola is in our country. I don't believe anything I hear. B, if Ebola is in our country, it's not spread by the air, which for some reason people seem to think that it is. See, if you take care of yourself and wash your hands and do things, you're not going to get it anyways. Uh, Easy steps to avoid Ebola. Yeah. Thousands of yeah, them. Don't, it's not a big deal. Don't lick someone's toilet seat. Yeah, because people are just like, well, people in Africa. Well, it's like Africa, unfortunately, does not have any of the amenities that we have in the USA. People in third world countries also die from the common cold. Yeah. Thousands of them every year. It's just goofy to me, but... Well, it's because it's like people don't recognize um, uh, that the reason why it's so bad in Africa is just what you said. They don't have amenities, but here's the they thing. Don't have they don't have fucking water. They don't have technology. Yeah. They don't have anything that we have here. Right. And that sucks. Like That's yeah, terrible for the people in Africa dying by the thousands. But the problem with all these stupid diseases and the government using them against us, which is exactly what they are doing. Not to like, try to get political, but I right. guess recently we've been kind of political. It's because I think if you live in America right now, you have to kind of like talk about this stuff or at least address it. Like the reason it's the same as bird flu or anthrax. And everybody I talked to is like, no, this one's different. I'm like, they said every fucking time. And yeah, it's because doesn't... every time it happens, someone's like, well, 6,000 people in China died or 4,000 people in Africa died of Ebola. And I'm like, and that has what to do with living in America. Uh, literally nothing. Zero percent. Because yeah. did you see the thing when like someone was like, this person with Ebola got on this flight and they landed in Chicago. It's in America. And the news would literally make you believe like you better lock your doors, board them up, and not leave your house for the next few months and make a bomb shelter. Right. Guess what? Like Justin said, don't go into someone's house you don't know and lick their toilet seat. Yeah, You're probably good. Wash your hands and be a normal human being in America. And you're fine. Well, it's like they fucking went on and on about that nurse who was exposed to the patient That's, in Dallas yeah. that died. And she didn't even fucking have it, it turned out. And now she's, like, suing people because it's like... Fuck yeah, yeah, she should be. I know she should be. It's Fuck like, yeah. you don't fucking do that. Like, uh, it's just like, if you just calm the fuck down... More people die from the fucking flu in this country. The cold. They don't, yeah. Because they don't get a fucking... You don't get a... a there's people who don't believe that vaccines work in this country. Like I bet more people will die from bike accidents this year than Ebola in America. Oh yeah, I guarantee. People, there's going to be more people die from whooping cough, which was supposed to be eradicated <laughs> for like you know forty decades ago or four right. decades ago, than there are people who are going to die of Ebola this year or next year or ever in the immediate future, like here anyway. Just stop letting the government scare you. Stop letting people scare Anyone's you. It's not even the government in particular. It's media, like mainstream shit. Like True. Just yeah, anything. Fair enough, just fair fucking enough. stop listening to it. Like, because all it does is work you into a frenzy. Like, as soon as you hear something like that, just go online and start researching it yourself, and you'll find the answer faster. That's what I did. It. I was actually curious. And right when Ebola was supposed to be a big thing here, I Googled, like, how to get Ebola. And I, within five minutes, learned that it's not airborne. But the news acted like it was airborne. They basically said it was. Yeah, they basically you have just misrepresented to like, it. You have to like. It's like AIDS. Like you literally have to like transfuse with someone, like, yeah. or like get an open wound, or like. Yeah, you have kiss to drink. Someone. Like you have to get liquids from their body in your mouth. Or it body. might be easier to get AIDS than to get Ebola. Probably. So like I mean yeah like the whole thing is ridiculous. Want to find out? 
Yes. Okay, you don't have AIDS. Now, if you snapped your fingers and Magic Johnson walked down here right now, <laughs> I would be so impressed. Oh, so would I. I only said that not to be like a dick, because he was the most famous person I could think of that definitely has AIDS. And is still around. Which I think actually his AIDS is in remission, which if that's true is awesome, so good for him. I don't even understand how that's possible. I don't either, but it's technology, man. You want to do some questions? You want to talk? I got a few things well, to talk about. Well, I mean, about. we didn't even talk about what we did this week or anything. <laughs> just, we just started talking about that shit. So, <laughs> what, what did you do this week? Uh, let's see. So, <coughs> last time we recorded. Which was uh, a week and a half ago. Yeah. So, Saturday before this past one. Um, Saturday before the past one, baby. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. I went to. Uh, Halloween party at a mansion, which that sounds like something out of Californication. It would, yeah, and um, it was fun. I mean, it was a neat thing, and like it was really cool. Wait, no, no, like give us more of a setup at least. You can't just no, say no. I'm that. going to okay, like okay, I, okay. I went to the, I went to it, and like it was like um, it was like all these like I guess the guy who owns the place is like a cardiologist, so he has like a shit ton of money, you know. And uh, his wife loves Halloween, so she just, like, decorated, like, crazy, like, this huge mansion. Okay. And they had this big downstairs, like, basement part, and they spent, like, thousands of dollars, like, catering it. Jeez. Like, they had, like, like probably, like, she said they had, like, at least 2000 or $3,000 worth of booze in the basement, plus all the food, which was, like, probably You drank at like, least 1000 of it, right? No, I barely drank anything because I was feeling like... I felt really bad that night because my stomach was hurting, so, like, I didn't really stay all that long. But alcohol makes it better. Yeah, but I'm, I hate doing that. As yeah. I get older, I hate doing that. Well, I don't blame you. Uh, <laughs> I was just kidding. No, but um, yeah, it was really interesting. There wasn't, I mean, there's nothing really to tell because I got there so late that everybody was already kind of drunk. And then I was just like, well, I'm just going to, I don't really feel very Who'd good. Who'd you so go I'm with? Go. Uh, just some just some people. Just don't worry about <laughs> it. Sounds very ambiguous. Yeah. I don't oh, really know about that. Um, that's cool. Um, that sounds fun. I had a good Halloween. I was going to talk about it after we talked to Chris because I thought it might take a while, but yeah. I guess I could now or we could wait. It's up to you. I mean, well, let's let's talk about something I want to talk about that I feel is very important to our country right now, and then do some questions. And after we talk to Chris, I'll talk about my weekend. Okay. Uh, something I feel like is very detrimental to our country right now mm-hmm. that's affecting millions of people. Okay. Is Call of Duty. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is some serious shit. I'm serious. Call of Duty, as Justin and I have been saying, I think for literally probably the last seven to eight months, of urging people to stop buying this fucking yeah. games yeah. every year. Which now, officially, there are three studios, because they take three years to make, and they'll be coming out every year by three different studios, not just Treyarch and Infinity Ward. This yeah, is upsetting to me. Sledgehammer. Yep, yeah. now Sledgehammer's in there. With the other two as well. Yeah. The new Call of Duty game, which came out today, technically day zero. Yeah comes out tomorrow technically but you could have gotten it today if you pre-ordered it or, or last, I mean, night, technically, last it night at midnight today, actually yeah today, it came out today technically but tomorrow's the actual release date now this game is much like any game which i bought a new video game today called sunset overdrive which is badass and we'll, t- we'll talk about that later mm-hmm. but uh the new call of duty is called advanced warfare it looks like a fucking call of duty game except that you have a suit that you can jump 10 feet higher mm-hmm is $60 the same as any game. That's fine. I will pay $60 for a good video game. Yeah, if it's good. Call of Duty is probably not good. It's probably three hours long. 
And here is what well, I, 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 I we can talk about it in a second. I was going to say I read a review of it. What I heard about, well, not heard about, this is fact, that put me over the top last night on my 13-hour drive home, which we'll talk about too later, is that if you want the season pass for the new Call of Duty, which means like you get the DLC, which is downloadable content for non-video mm-hmm. game players, mm-hmm. which in Call of Duty will basically be new maps and maybe some guns, Right. it's $50. Mm-hmm. So no, it's you, $59.99. So if you want the new Call of Duty plus all the downloadable content, you will buy two video games. Yeah, it's $59.99. I got if so you... mad that I texted Justin literally <laughs> on my drive. And Justin confirmed this. I was like, listen, we need to talk about this like on Monday. Yeah. Because this is bullshit. Like, fuck Call of Duty. I can't believe they're charging this much money. Right. It's... If you want, if you want to buy it all together, the deluxe edition is one hundred and nine ninety nine. How much? You get ten dollars off. Oh, ten dollars off. Yeah, so one hundred and ten dollars nice. for yeah. a video game. That's pretty cool. With some maps that you don't know when they're going to come out, anyways. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It's really dumb because those map packs. I don't care what anybody says. Like, I I played Call of Duty for years. Like that was. My, I was going to say, as me and Justin are friends, we played Black yeah. Ops for hundreds of hours. I mean, I played every Call of Duty. From number four, Modern Warfare, on on after that, like for, I couldn't even tell you how many fucking days and or months I've wasted. I've seen Black Ops, you know, like like Black Ops was like Monday through Friday. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me and Justin and like six of our other friends, like our friend Frank, Tom, Nathan, Zach. It was like, oh, everybody's off work Monday through Friday, five to like ten thirty or eleven. Black Ops, we were on there. Oh yeah. Every single night, to the point where Justin told a man he was going to suck a dick off of his body. <laughs> and the man responded with, what do you mean you're going to suck my dick off my body? And then you could hear him turn to his friend and go, this guy just said he's going to suck my dick right off my body. <laughs> and that became the thing we would like say to everybody, but nobody ever responded exactly the same way. Not as quite that. as good as that guy. I'm like, this guy just said he's going to suck my dick right <laughs> off my body. Been, it must have been a really touchy moment for <laughs> Yeah, him I don't know, man. <laughs> what made you say that? I don't. I don't know. But but maybe say any of the shit that I say. On we there. said a lot of things on there. Um, well, maybe today, an argument with a kid about the Illuminati on there one time. Yeah, we did. Do like, you remember my favorite ever? Other than the suck the dick off my body is my favorite from the Call of Duty days. But my second favorite is when we were all playing, and I was talking to the guy. This was like what twenty twelve. Yeah, and it was close to the new year. And do you remember I said something? As he says, like I gotta go meet my girlfriend. I was like, that's gay, man. And he was like, what? I was like, you didn't hear, apparently, like, this is like, you can look it up on the government website. Starting in 2013, straight turns gay and gay turns straight. So, like, <laughs> guys have to like guys to be straight. And this guy literally, I'm not kidding, like, pardon my French or whatever, because this is a real Xbox conversation. Justin Hurt goes, I'm not a faggot. And I go, I go, whoa, man, like, you don't need to talk like that. But I was like, listen, after January 1st, yeah. If you have a girlfriend, you're a homosexual. Right. And he goes, I'm not a fucking queer man. <laughs> he really did <laughs> he get got super so upset. Mad. And the and, thing and is, like, like, A, it's funny how absurd what I'm saying is. Like, how ridiculous it is yeah. that he's getting that mad. And, like, we're all sitting here on this map shooting at each other on this video game. And I just kept on, like, I was like, and, like, Justin came in and said to Frank and all our friends, like, no, man, like, Go to the government website. It's on the yeah. White House website. Like they're changing gay and straight, and this guy's just like, "No, fuck that, man. I love chicks." <laughs> like, I'm, I can't funny, exaggerate this. Like the funniest part is, is like normally I would have been like, 
oh, he's just like kind of playing along. No, this guy was fucking. He pissed. was mad. He to was the point, not happy with you. He did the thing that three different times it happened that Justin's heard me do is where he said, "If I knew where you lived, oh, I yeah. swear I come kick your ass." Which every time that's happened on Xbox Live, just I give them my address. Yeah. <laughs> it's happened three different times. It's like, like if I knew where you lived, because that's the online thing. And like three or four different times on Call of Duty, I literally gave my address, and then they would always like not catch for me, like what, and I'd be like. 8739 Mount Hoover, and they'd be like, What? I'd be like, That's my address. There it is. <laughs> you have on, no excuse now. Over. If you want to come over, you're more than welcome. And then after that, they would always just stop talking, but it was always fun. The greatest, actually, here's a little tip if anybody out there plays Call of Duty. The fastest way to make anyone mad on that game, I don't know why this is, <laughs> is to sit in the lobby and just. Read their screen name. Read their <laughs> no, game we did that a lot. Yeah. If you read their game X tag, bong oh hit a X four twenty. They get so <laughs> fucking mad just because you said their their name and they don't yeah. know you. And it's like, and they're like, one guy like seriously. Uh, I remember I, this. I, I, said, I remember I said this. his name, and he was like, what "The fuck did you say?" And I was, <laughs> I was like, like, "I just said I your like, name." I was like, "I read your gamer tag," and he's like, "Don't fucking read that shit." <laughs> And he's like, you fucking piece of shit. And he's like, he's like, you're a fucking faggot and all that stuff. And I was like, I was like, hey man, I just read your name that everyone else can read. And then everyone that else That you typed yeah. it in to make your name. And then every and then he kept doing that, like getting all mad. And then every other person in the room just started saying his name until he left. And it was the greatest. I remember that. Like, I remember that. Oh man. That but that's cool. that's a little uh little helpful hint if you ever are feeling like griefing people on Xbox Live. It's actually way easier to do than doing anything elaborate. Uh, something I learned today that I didn't know is that the Kinect acts as a microphone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> on Xbox One? Yeah. So me and my roommate are uh, playing Sunset Overdrive, and we go into an online thing where you like, do a competitive thing with people, and we were just making fun of people's screen names. And this one guy goes like, I sing out a key? And I was like, yeah, because that's my Xbox One name. If you want to add me, it's I sing out of key. I'm like, yeah. He's like, we all can hear you, motherfucker. <laughs> and I was like, you can? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, I don't have a headset. They're like, connect. I was like, connect can hear my voice? And they're like, yeah. I was like, that makes it even creepier. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, like you can like just talk to your Xbox and it'll do the thing, like do stuff. So like, I turned, I know that. Yeah. But I didn't know like worked as a mic. How did you know? Well, I just I didn't put one and two together. So I, I would Josh. hope you didn't. You I looked at, two and two together? I looked at Josh and I was like, do you realize that means all these Madden games you've been playing, people can hear all the shit that you're saying? And he literally went, oh, fuck. <laughs> just like, because if. Oh, my God. There you might guys have been are some, so fucking dumb. <laughs> there might have been some foul mouthery around. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I didn't know the Connect could also look at me at any time, turn on any time, and also record my voice. Yeah, it'll do that. It'll do pretty much all those things. Yeah. So, um,. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so back to Call of Duty, uh, Advanced Warfare. I read a review of it that said the single player is fine. It's nothing great. It's, it's even a though they, they obviously spent a shit ton of money on it, and they're like, they're like, no, none of it really makes much sense, and the story kind of goes haywire at the, the end. But it's kind of fun to play, which yeah. fine. They said that the sing- the multiplayer is actually really fun. But my problem with it is they brought back the thing in Black Ops 2 that I hate, which is like that pick 12. I hated that. Whatever. Hated it. But Black now Ops. it's 13 slots as opposed to the 12. And it's like, I don't need that. Like, I don't like, I like, the reason I like Call of Duty is because you kind of had like templates and stuff. When yeah. you start making it where like, what, like 
where you start when you start making it where everybody controls like every piece of their thing, all that's gonna happen is one guy's gonna make one thing that's super effective and everyone plays as that. And it's yeah, gonna I be agree. really fucking I boring. And well, I think that's the problem with first person shooters is that they just haven't caught up to the new generation. And I think the proof of that literally is that I got Destiny. I've had it since the day it came out. Yeah. And I don't think we've even talked about it since it came out, have we? No. And that's because I don't care. It's not that it's a bad game. I've played it. I've played online. I've played the campaign. Right. Uh, it's fine. I just don't care enough to even talk, like, spend 10 minutes of this podcast talking about Destiny. It no. doesn't really matter. No. The thing is, is that. And they spent $500 million on that game. The, the problem is, and I know this won't happen, but what has to happen is one of these fucking tentpole titles like that has to be a spectacular failure. It has to fail. Like, one of them has to be bad, and everybody doesn't buy it, and then they'll go, oh, shit, what happened? This was, like, our biggest franchise. Well, I read, and I don't know if this is true. I think it is, and if it is true, I'm happy, is that after Black Ops 1 and 2, Call of Duty Ghosts went down 40% on pre-sales, and apparently Advanced Warfare went down 70%. It was 50 or 55. That's but, still... That's good. Right, it is good, but I mean, it's still not going to be a failure. Like, But it's over half, so it's enough that they're going to at least... They have to at least analyze what they're doing. Right, but the problem is, is like, if it gets some decent reviews because it's actually better than the last couple of entries... Which isn't hard. Then there's going to be a bunch of people who go out and buy it because of that. Like, Yeah, you're right. You're not going to have like people who are like, oh, well, fuck well, this shit. Well, and that's the like, problem as video game players is, like, if I read a bunch of good reviews, like, online's awesome, I honestly, as much as we're bashing it and telling people not to buy it... Would be tempted to go buy it to play it online. Yeah, I would. And too. that's the problem as video game players. It's like if you hear something's awesome, you're gonna want to play it. Right. But there's just so much out right now. That's what I mean. It's like Sunset Overdrive is incredible. I'm like right. six hours in. Yeah. That's today. Right. I woke up with my roommate. And we started playing it until I came here. You guys wake up together. Um, we did actually wake up at the exact same who time. Who woke up first though? Like who well, it was the like this. On the shoulder. My room in my house is like directly across the hall from Josh's room, and it's funny because I like got up to go pee and then I was going to go like get water and just like do my morning thing. And we actually walked out of our rooms at the exact same time, which never really happens. So we woke up at the exact same time. Oh, I thought you guys were like in the same room. Why? I just thought it was nice that you guys woke up together. Well, we woke up at the same time. Yeah, and that's, then that's cute, but it's not as cute. Okay. So we, uh, and we just pushed the couch forward. Like we have like two L shaped couches in my family room, but what we do for like watching a show we really like or playing video games is we just push the couch about two feet from the TV and then just sit there and play it. And we played Sunset Overdrive all day today, and that game is badass. Um, yeah, that's what I. It's all an I've Xbox One it. exclusive. It's only definitely for a certain type of people. I think there's definitely certain types of gamers that would hate it. Yeah, it's very goofy. It's very bright and colorful, which I like compared yeah. to all the browns and grays of everything. Yeah. It's insanely over the top, like crazy. Like you don't stop moving. It literally will be like if you mix like Assassin's Creed with machine guns and Tony Hawk. Yeah. A bright world full of monsters. And then like very pop culture. Like they sampled like Breaking Bad for a part. Like they just <laughs> it's very pop I, I think it's amazing. I right. love every single bit of it. Yeah. I can't wait to go home and play it more. But um it's definitely for a certain type of people, but mm. Sunset Overdrive, look it up, because if it sounds interesting, you would probably like it. Yeah. But if you're in a more like serious or into the Call of Duty type thing, this is literally the polar opposite. Like you couldn't get any more far away from like Call of Duty or Destiny. Right. Which I think is cool. I, I'd read a bunch I'd read reviews of uh 
of Sunset Overdrive, and I'm really interested in it. There's apparently been a leak that there's going to be a PC version, so if there is, I'm definitely going to get it. I bet it. there will be. I think but, Sunset Overdrive to me would be like if you took Tony Hawk and Dead Rising and put Dead Rising on complete steroids and made, I, it, made it so you can grind and jump off everything in this entire huge open world. Right. That's what I, would, that's what I was excited about was like I read this thing where it was like, it doesn't ever feel tedious that you have to keep moving. Not it at all. It feels really fun. You do have to keep moving. That's just it. Compared to most games, you have to you have to get used to, and I think will bother some people. You have guns and weapons and melee, but if you're just on the ground, enemies are coming at you, and you just try to start attacking them, like you will die. Yeah. You have to jump, move, grind, jump off things. But everything in the entire city, it's like a huge trampoline mixed with you can grind on anything. And, like, when you aim when you're grinding, you could be, like, grinding in a circle. When you aim, it slows down. So you're kind of, like, shooting. Like It's 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 awesome. Like, best game out in a long time. Um, Fully recommended. Yeah, I, I really want to play it. I was playing. I got the Evolve Alpha. That's by the um, people that made Left 4 Dead, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Left 4 Dead 1 and 2 were two great games. It's a fucking... It's nuts. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Nice. Really? Like, it's a really interesting take on like that type of co-op shooter or whatever right because like is it like left for dead is it a team yeah you're a team but what they've done now is instead of everybody just being like the same thing just with a different skin or whatever like you have it's kind of taken like the team fortress sort of thing where it's like you have a medic and uh, a like assault that. and a guy who's a trapper and then uh I forget what the other one is like an engineer or something like that and then uh, one person plays the monster for that level so, what the idea of it is, is, like, those four people are hunting the monster, but at the same time, the monster is also hunting them. And as the monster, you have, like, all kinds of, like, different skill, like, different moves and different special things you can do. So, like, the one that they have on this alpha is called a Goliath, and, like, it basically, it's like a huge, like, like kaiju-type thing from, like, Pacific Rim or whatever. But what, what you do is, like, you can, like, climb on anything. You can, like, breathe fire. You can, like, throw giant rocks at, the, like, the, if you're the other characters and stuff. Yeah. Right. And they have to be – and what they do is they have the ability to, like, use their skills to trap you in an area and then, like, kind of just cut you down, you know? Right. But if you can, like, kill them, you get a certain amount of, like uh, – like, I don't know what they're called, like evolve points or something like that. And then you also are running through level and there's like tiny little creatures everywhere. So like kind of like how in Left 4 Dead there were zombies everywhere. Right. In this, there's like these tiny sort of small versions of like the weird creature that you are. Right. And you can like grab them and eat them. And if you eat them or you kill a guy or whatever, you get like more and more points. And then you can evolve your creature into a tougher form during the oh, match. Oh, that's awesome. So like you can like become like there's like... I think four phases, and if you get to the fourth, you're basically unstoppable. Right. Like, the, they might as well just give up at that point. But, my, like... My only question about Evolve is, I think it looks awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely probably buy it. But with, like, the plot that you just said, and, like, mostly online, do you think it's sustainable as a $60 game to last for hours and hours? Like... Yeah. That's my main question that I'm worried about about Evolve. This is the thing, is that... I don't know if there's a single player aspect. To That's it. what I mean. I wouldn't think there is because. Do you think it's a sixty dollars game? Like from playing the alpha, like you, you get that much replay value out of it, or do you think it'll get old? Yeah, and the only reason I say yeah is because, well, on consoles I don't know, but on PC for sure. PC, yes, because people will be editing the shit out of it. Right, they'll be doing yeah. that. Same with Left 4 Dead. Yeah, they'll be doing that, and also. <sighs> 
Turtle Rock has like a pretty good history of like always releasing their DLC for free on PC. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, if you get all the DLC packs and like new maps and monsters and stuff like that. What do you remember on Left 4 Dead? Someone made the entire like Day of the Dead mall. I right. Mean, it was incredible. Yeah. It was fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, like, that's the good thing about People PC. People are still modding like GTA San Andreas on PC. Yeah, and making it look like it is now. Like it looks yeah. like a game that could come Completely out. Completely crazy. Um, it is. It. Yes, on PC. I don't know on uh, console. Um, unless they. I'll do... be honest. Left 4 Dead on like 360 and consoles, like it was fun, but I thought it got old. I never did because I had a core group of people I played with. That so makes like sense. we were always playing and we were really good at it. So right. we would win a majority of the time. And not that it's always fun to win, but like, well, it's more it fun is, to win than lose. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's pretty fun to know, like going in, like, Oh, well, I have faith in the fact that we can probably beat most of the people who play this. Right. Um, that makes sense. But like, I think evolves kind of the same way. It's just on a different level because they have like skills and different things that each player can bring to the game. That makes sense. And like kind of like if you learn your um, learn your role, Jabroni, uh, you can. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. He just came in for one second. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's promoting new Hercules on uh, DVD. Stop tomorrow. it right now. Uh, <clears throat> you can like, yeah, but like once you learn it, I feel like you 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 add a lot, and if you have like a a team, then you become like like you have a good idea of how to take down a monster. But the thing is, is that the monster isn't just in one level, like the levels will vary. You can like right, whoever right. the monster is will be able to choose a different one, and like right. they might have better, better, you know, capabilities on a certain right. map that than they do on others. But the maps are also fucking huge. There's a lot of stuff to do, and there's a lot of different gameplay types as well that they're gonna actually release. Right now, it's just it's just team versus monster, right. but they're gonna have a lot of different ones. So I'll probably get it on Steam. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely am, but I don't know, like. That is a good question, but as of right now, it's the most impressive alpha I've probably ever seen, which is saying a lot because I've seen a yeah, lot of alphas. A lot. And like, uh, it basically is like almost a finished game. They have like right. the mechanics are so solid and like the graphics are so good that like I don't think Valve released something that wasn't basically done. No, I don't think so either. That's uh, awesome. I'm so yeah, I mean, keep a lookout for it. Like people have been talking about it because it's out in alpha right now, but like. I'd say it's going to be one of the bigger games that comes out next year. Hello. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey, Chris. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, dude. Just chilling. I'm here, and so is Justin, my co-host. Hey, Justin. What's up? Oh, nothing. How are you? Doing great. Psyched. Awesome. All right, everybody. This is uh, this is uh, this is Chris Connolly from. Saves the day and various other things. A very talented man, and we're very excited to have you here today. Mm, thank you. I'm happy to do it. Man, there's so many different ways we could take this conversation, and I have some questions people send in for you and other things, but uh, I guess Uh-oh. I guess we'll start with uh, you and I became friends this summer. Yes. Um, I would watch your band. Yes, and I watch your band almost every day, which I will say right now that... Chris does not seem like an egotistical person, so he won't think this is cool. But Saves the Day played a different set, I believe, every single day of Warped Tour this summer. Is that correct? Yes, every day. We played over 80 songs this summer. I don't know if people realize how insane that is, but I would almost bet, <laughs> I would almost bet money that no band has ever played a different set every day of Warped Tour. I wonder. 
That's actually kind of interesting. I, I doubt it, but it was awesome, and uh, people were. <laughs> well, stoked. thank you. And uh, Chris and I watched each other's bands and had a mutual admiration for each other's songwriting, so we became friends. Yeah, and you were one of my Your favorite songs people. Are fantastic. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You are uh, one of my favorite people on Warped Tour. Oh, thanks, man. And uh, so, I guess we can get into a lot of different things here. Let's just talk and have some fun. Yeah, dude. Uh, one inter- Where are you guys at right now? What did you say? Where are you guys right now? We are in Justin's uh, studio basement in Cincinnati, Ohio. Ooh, underground lair. That's right. It is an underground lair. Where are you at? I'm in California, way up north. Where, uh, where in California? I live in a town called Chico. I know where Chico is. Have you been here? I have a friend that lives in Chico, oddly enough. I didn't know you lived in Chico. I knew you lived in northern California. Yeah, like way, way north, three hours north of San Francisco. Yeah, Chico's kind I'm of... In my, I'm in my studio as well. Yeah, Chico's <laughs> kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> yeah, it's totally the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I had toured here, uh, played gigs. Um, I grew up in a college town in New Jersey in Princeton. And uh, Chico is also a college town, so it kind of reminds me of home. Right. But then it's also like a bunch of farmers and stuff and like retired hippies. Right. Um, so, and I also grew up in a rural section of New Jersey, uh, like where my dad's farm is. It's called Delaware Township, which is completely in the sticks. So it's got a little bit of uh, both uh, Princeton and Delaware Township. Right. I kind of just dig it. That's awesome. I like Chico. Like I said, I have a friend that lives there. It's a very weird, it is a weird town in a good way. What's her name? I bet I know him. The name of what, my friend? Yeah, you can use first names only. Emily. I'm to get this person tracked down. No, no, it's okay. Her name is Emily Faunst. I don't know that. She likes your that band person. a lot. I don't think she knows you live there. That's funny. Oh, snap. I'm going to tell her to stock you down. Oh, great. Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's a few, yeah, I want to talk about some music things and then some completely non-music things, but uh, we might as well get the music out of the way is you and I talked on Warp Tour and I found something interesting that I never thought about and never knew, but you said Saves a Day has never put out a seven inch, right? Yeah. Oddly enough. That seems so... We did so... with the, uh, Brian Newman and I did, he was the original Saves a Day drummer, the only other original member. We put out a 7-inch uh, under the name Seffler, which was the band before Saves of the Day. Right. And it's we just, tracked it in like 1996 or 95, maybe. It's so weird to me that the scene you guys come from and the bands yeah. you came up with that you never made a 7-inch. I know. It's really strange. I mean, we got started so super young and made tapes and uh, the 7-inch and then like started like copying our own CDs and stuff. And then... Um, the first recording we made under the name Saves the Day was a demo tape. And we got picked up kind of quickly by Equal Vision Records. And they just wanted to do a full length. So we are like, sweet. Right. No way. So we just, like, jumped into making albums. And, which, which you and then, like, I would write, like, a zillion songs, you know, in between records. And then it was like, well, there's definitely enough for another full length. Let's just do that. I guess that's kind of what mixtapes did too. Is I just kept on writing and writing and writing, so people would be like, "Well, why don't you just, you know, take a break?" And I was like, "Well, we have all these songs done, you know, why take a break?" Fun, you know? 
Yeah, it's fun. I don't want to ever stop. No, absolutely. We did. We did have a, an EP of all acoustic songs in yeah, too, early 1999, and we put that out on a seven inch as well. But we've never had like an exclusive seven inch, which I would love to do. We need, to, we, we, need, we need to make that happen. Yeah, dude. <laughs> We're gonna make it happen. Way psyched on that. <laughs> but um. Saves the day, legacy-wise, I was going to say, I mean, it's just such a crazy band to, like, I think because, you know, I have friends who would definitely be like, you know, I love Can't Slow Down and Through Being Cool than some who love Stay What You Are the most. We talked to Will from Story So Far last year, I mean, last week, whose favorite album is Under the Boards, and then my favorite album is the new album. And I feel nice, like, thanks. I feel like there's very few bands. Yeah, I think your new album is fucking great. Thanks, man. And what's funny, like as friends, you know, I didn't listen to old saves a day that much. And I know Justin did more. And it's so funny that you guys it's not funny, it's awesome because how many bands can be around for that long and have a fan base that's so spread out, you know, of favorite records. Yeah. You know, I dig it. It took me a while to like understand how cool that was. Yeah, because you know, like, as I got older, I was like, you know, it's neat. Like we just continue to evolve and pe- people could be fans of certain records. And then maybe they'll come back and uh, hear what we're doing, you know, nowadays and be like, you know what, this is totally cool. And, uh, and you know, I have perspective on the whole thing. Right. I was gonna say, it's not like I love every single thing I've ever heard from, like, my favorite artists. So, like, uh, I appreciate when artists grow. It's not like I'm putting on every single David, David Bowie record every day or every Paul McCartney record or every Bob Dylan record, for that matter. Right. But I'm always curious what people are doing. Do you, um, I guess, definitely when you were younger through, you know, Can't Slow Down, it's more of a punk rock influence in an album. I was going to say, as compared to, like, when Saves the Day first started, what bands influenced you, and now what influences you? Because I feel like that's very interesting to think about, because as we all get older, you and I are around the same age, and so Justin is, like, when you're younger, like, when you're older, your influences, you know, obviously shift. Right. Yeah, I mean, I had been listening to, like, Jawbreaker and Rancid and, like, Screeching Weasel right. um, when I was, like, maybe a sophomore in high school. And then um, Brian Newman, the original drummer for Saves the Day, got into hardcore music because um, he saw this, like, flyer at a music store uh, that was asking about uh, drummers for a hardcore band, and he, like, pulled down a little piece with the phone number, called and went to play with these guys in Trenton, New Jersey, and they were called A Nation in Transit, and they were hardcore, and we'd never heard of hardcore. But uh, they turned him on to Rage Against the Machine, which we, at the time, didn't know came from hardcore. Huh. He got psyched on that, and then he started to go backwards, and he discovered Youth of Today and Gorilla Biscuits. Right. And when he played me Gorilla Biscuits, I was like, no way, they're singing. And because uh, I never liked like screaming, he would play me stuff that was like screaming. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> that's just a personal opinion, you know, it's just what I gravitate towards. But uh, he played me Gorilla Biscuits and Lifetime. And I've just like flipped out because Lifetime is honestly not that far removed from Jawbreaker. No, no. And uh, it turns out those guys were massive Jawbreaker fans. It's just like sort of like emotional music uh, 
with melody and good lyrics, but with Lifetime and Grill Biscuits, it's like played at the speed of light, which appealed to me at the time. Because I was like 16, you know, and just kind of shot out of a cannon. That makes sense. I was going to say, as it's funny, it's because when I first... I never got into hardcore as much, same as you, because of the vocals, as I was hear bands, and they'd have good music, but all the screaming and yelling, and then uh, Gorilla Biscuits start today. I heard that, and I was like, okay, this is really cool. Ah, amazing. Because to me, Gorilla Biscuits start today just more sounds like The Descendants or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, that's actually a good uh, comparison. Like, because it's not really hardcore, but I guess it's aggressive, but it's melodic. And like you said, and then like the Lifetimes is like... I think especially where you're from, like New Jersey kind of made that switch of like, we're going to take hardcore and like aggressive music and put melody to it. Even from Lifetime to Saves the Date, even like the Ergs 10 years later, I feel like New Jersey was a place where bands, you know, were doing that. Yeah, well, everyone's fucking sad in Jersey, you know? You're like, <laughs> you're like caught between uh, New York City and Philadelphia. I mean, once you live like at the shore and you're like hopping in the ocean every day enjoying the sunshine there's a lot of just like feeling like you're stuck right so lifetime had that you know they like they were just like singing about growing up in small towns like small town nowhere usa right and then i think uh so what influences you now well um and on I, the way to before, uh, before i ask that i guess do you still feel some sort of an influence from like the beginning, from like Lifetime and Girl of Biscuits at all, or is that just completely gone as an adult? No way. I still listen to that stuff. I love it. I mean, Lifetime, especially lyrically, is just like fantastic. But then, like the riffs uh, were insane. I know Dan Yemen was like really influenced by Propagandi. Yep. And that like guitar playing is just nuts. I've always, and, uh, I've always, I've always told people I think the newest Lifetime album was the best one. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's awesome. And like, it's funny because people like will argue and be like, "No, Hello Bastard, Jersey Best Dancers." And I'm like, the new one sounds exactly the same, except better songwriting and better production because it's ten years later. Right. They're the same band. It was exactly what you wanted to hear from that band, like where they grew up. Like, you yeah. know what I mean, like they weren't stuck with that. The same thing that they had been stuck with back then, yeah, which it, was like that. Weird, yeah, it like, like it evolved. If yeah. you put, it was still so them. There's no, there was no stigma left for like that adolescent spent in New Jersey that they were trying to get out. They were like all older and like yeah. had lived life, and so like they wrote like a bunch of really fucking badass songs. Yeah, if you it. put on that Lifetime self-titled album and like when Northbound Breakdown comes on, oh god, that, and you don't get pumped up as fuck, then yeah. I I don't know what's wrong with you. Monday it's, Morning it, Airport might be one of the best songs I've ever heard in my entire life. Haircuts and t-shirts. Dude, I heard I heard it uh, the other day. I'm driving around LA and just flipping through uh, the channels on the radio and uh, I hear Lifetime. Really? What channel? Yeah, it was a song from the uh, self-titled record. I was... Um, like some new alternative station. I was like, this is crazy. This has to be some like college thing. That's weird. But no, I guess it's just like enough time has gone by where like those bands are kind of classic now. I think that happens every generation. You know, after like 20 years or whatever, people start to realize that even if they didn't understand it in the context of the time when it came out, like good stuff is good stuff. Absolutely. And then like the next song that came on was the bouncing souls. So I was like, damn, <laughs> these are all the Jersey jams right now. What's your favorite Bouncing Souls record? Um, I mean, I have to say Maniacal Laughter just because that was the so one 
that oh, like floored me when I was a uh, you know freshman or sophomore in high school. I was gonna say if you're that in was high- a lot like Jawbreaker. Yeah, if you're in high school and you hear the song "Here We Go" and it doesn't change the way you think, then I'm confused a little bit. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean they were so good, and that's another band that had like incredible melody and oh. also just great songs. I still think- and uh, the lyrics are amazing. I was going to say, I still think How I Spent My Summer Vacation is probably one of my favorite records of all time. That's a great, yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, just quality, you know? Exactly. Well, what about now? Like, Can't what, be denied. What's influencing Saves the Day now? Well, so, like, I went through my whole phase, like, just being obsessed with, like, the Beatles and uh, Beach Boys kind of thing. Like, after I discovered a Beatles tape in my car one day, like, somebody left it there. I was like, you know what? It was the tape of, like, the greatest hits from the second half of their career, like I, the later, weirder hits. I hear a lot of Beach Boys on the new album. I think that might be why it's one of my – it's my favorite record oh, by you guys, but I hear it. I hear the Beach Boys. That's awesome. Yeah, I got heavily influenced by the Beatles and the Beach Boys and, like, especially the songwriting of the Beatles and then the chords from the Beach Boys and harmonies and stuff. And I went through, like, a huge thing there for years, and I still – listen to the Beatles all the time. But uh, I've been going back to records that I listened to in the early 90s a lot, like Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream. Great record. It's like one of, that was probably my favorite record when I was like 13 or whenever that came out. Um, and uh, I just think it's a masterpiece. I've been listening to tons of Nirvana, Archers of Loaf, Oh, Archers um, of Sunny Day Real Estate, Jawbox. Oh, all of these. I mean, you and Justin could probably talk for about the next five hours, which we don't have the time for. Yeah. But out of curiosity, what is your favorite Archers of Loaf album? Icky Metal, probably just because it was like the first one I got, and uh, I obsessed over it in ninth grade. Right. Oh, it's so good. And so I listened good. to it like I literally wore the disc out. I couldn't listen to it anymore. I had to buy another one. Kids listening I love right it now. so much, but I think all their records are fantastic. They are. Never, never made a bad record. I still think that uh, what's weird is like people, I mean, all the nation's airports was like kind of like an important record for them. Oh, it's, and it's so good. It's dude. a fucking amazing album. Amazing. But what's so weird is, is White Trash Heroes is the most, one of the most underrated albums I've ever heard. Like, I no totally one, agree. No one talks it, about that give album. Give it 15 years, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, people talk people about it. People figure this shit out. Sort of, they talk about it now, but, like, even then, it's still, like, people just are completely underrated, and I think it was because it was, like, their swan song. You could tell they were tired of doing what they were doing and never getting anywhere. But, man, that album is, like, so honest and fucking wonderful. Well, I know. I was going to say, in mixtapes, it's funny, because that was my main thing, is, like, when we'd be on tour, we'd be touring with these big bands, and I'd be talking to younger kids, and I would always just talk about Archers of Love, Super Chunk, you know, all these bands, like, check these yeah. bands out. Like, I know you're only 16. I don't expect you to have heard of this band. And kids listening right now are probably like, who the fuck are Archers of Love? But go back, and you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, go check it out. Super Chunk's another great band. Super Chunk, Archers of Love, all these bands, The Promise Ring, like all these bands. That- I mean, and that's, I mean, a direct link to the emo music that came. I mean, you listen to Super Chunk now, and it's like, that sounds like the Get Up Kids. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sure absolutely. enough, using Max voice and everything. Right, absolutely. Um, do you, I guess, I, well, I do have two questions for you. Do you want me to ask them to you? So I wanted to know. What? Yeah, do, baby. Do you like the Promise Ring? 
Yeah, I loved Promise Ring. Oh my god, they were so good. I was gonna say, I like to see them a ton. Well, I liked I I liked Cap and Jazz, and then yeah, yeah, I was too. sad when they broke up, but psyched that they became like all these other projects. And then even Maritime, I think Maritime's that underrated as hell. Maritime is great. Oh, for sure, dude. So so good. well written. So good, good production. I just thought I was just wondering because there's I feel like there's pieces of very emergency somewhere in uh, under the boards that like I don't know. Oh, that's like, awesome. There's something to it, like where I hear that same sort of like that influence and that like kind of hopefulness, but also like grounded. I don't know. It's really interesting, but I love it. I just, I wanted to ask you that for a long time, actually. Yeah. We used to listen to them a ton driving around in the van back in the day. They were like a major, um, they were a major staple of our touring diet of music. I think it sucks because a lot of people I know love the promise ring. But then don't like very emergency because they feel like it's like when they like sold out or got poppy and it's like that record is fucking front to back. There's not uh, dude, people are dumb. There are not five seconds of bad music on no. very emergency. That is a perfect that, record. That album was the culmination yeah. of everything that they had been doing to that point. Yeah, it's like if you like the Get Up Kids or any of those bands or anything like yeah. very emergency is like the album that summed it all up to me personally. I mean I don't know if anybody else agrees, but like for like that indie rock emo, yeah, it captured a moment. Well, and then it was that like back- the blueprint for the future emo revival. That Absolutely, yeah. There's no doubt. Absolutely. About that. But then it was a there was a backlash against that album, and that's why he wrote Woodwater. I like Woodwater too, but everybody shit on that album too. Which I like it's Woodwater. A great album. I think Woodwater is good. I mean, you know, to put it in context, like, um, you know, like the Beatles um, were like this boy band, pop band. And they had all these hits, but then they stopped scoring hits. Like after Help, Rubber Soul came out, and everyone was like, "What the hell, dude?" Uh, wow. And then by the time Re- Revolver came out, people were like, "Ah, the Beatles, Beatles are over." And then they came out with Sgt. Pepper's, and they they kind of like got the hippie audience into them. Right. But the hippies didn't like them when they were coming out. You know, they were like too straight laced. Right. So all this stuff is like just in the context of time. Maybe it's harder to see what's what, what's good, what's bad, what's in between. Agreed. And I just don't, you know, I don't really care about people's opinions. I don't read anything that people write. Um, I'll hear it if they say it to my face, but uh, I try to, like, keep it at arm's length a little bit because, like, I don't want to be altered by or swayed by people's opinions because they don't matter. No, they don't matter at all. Is that why you? Sorry, folks. Is that is that why you think you guys have endured so long and been so influential to so many generations of people? Like, I, mean, I don't know, man. I mean, it's definitely honest, you know. Like, it's super honest, and I just like writing songs. Right. I think it's also. Um, I don't know. I think it's also because the songs are are pretty good, and I think the lyrics have always been pretty good, and uh, you know, like it's thoughtful music. It's not just like thrown out there. I'm yeah. big on quality control, so I make sure I really love what we're putting out. Um, and then I, like I don't that. know. Well, I think yeah. I, I think I can ask you this because we're friends and because you don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> as I was gonna say, is I know you're not here to promote promote your new record or promote anything. We're just talking as friends. Um, what is your and if it's a new one, that's fine because it's my favorite. Like I said, but what is your favorite saves the day record? Like. From the, the next one. What? 
No, it's always like I'm always psyched on the the stuff I'm currently writing and like looking forward to making another album. But I mean, uh, like to give you a straight up answer, I think the new one's really good. Um, right, I, not, I not, that, not counting the newest one, which not to discount, like I said, is by far my favorite Saves the Day record. I think the newest record is absolutely amazing. But not counting it's the really new one. hard. Like I think, um, I mean, I'm really proud of everything we've done. For sure. But I mean, I would say, you know, diff, different records are good for different reasons. Right. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I certainly think that uh, Stay What You Are is really good. Um, and I think In Reverie is like strange and beautiful, but, you know, that's just, that's just me. But, uh, I don't think it's just you. That is an interesting question, which has never really talked about that much. Is Stay What You Are was a commercial success, technically, right? I mean, you were, you were on MTV. Not a commercial success, but it like, created a wave. You were on MTV, you were on the radio, at your funeral, all these songs, free kids. We were oh. until September 11th, and then it had to be pulled. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. So like, my- We were on the way to becoming like pretty big, I think, but... Then, you know, like that happened and they couldn't play songs that were like intense or dark on the radio at that point. Right. Like Jimmy World had pulled their record and changed Change the name. name. Yeah. Well, I was going to say is Stay What You Are was a commercial success as far as at least you're on MTV, you're on the radio. I remember seeing your face on my TV. And then uh, In Reverie was such a big departure that I know a lot of people loved it and got it. And a lot of people just were like, what is this? Did you feel any of that, or did you just not care? I mean, like, what was your thought process between the two albums? Oh, yeah, it hurt my feelings. It was like, I wasn't aware of it becoming different. I was just writing from my heart, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing about my music is if you go back to, like, 1993 when I got my guitar, um, and if you were to hear, like, all the stuff that I've recorded from then until now, you'd hear that every single thing is different. Like, it's constantly been evolving. Right. You know, Can't Slow Down, even once we became Saves the Day, Can't Slow Down is way different from Through Being Cool. And then Stay What You Are is a big step up from Through Being Cool. Agreed. And then, you know, so on and so forth. That's just how I roll. That is weird, though, because even when you go back, well, at least as far as I'm concerned, when I go back and listen to, like, every, like, your entire discography, like, there is a definite line of progression. Every album. Like, you don't, you don't miss that uh, that sound because that sound has become saves the day. Like even like from can't yeah, totally down, like can't slow down is like yeah it's like a hard like kind of like you know it's like a lifetime melodic, hardcore record. yeah hardcore thing. and then like stay what you are is a little more poppy and <laughs> polished than that. But like as you go like you didn't really you never had that moment where you drastically changed. Like so many bands drastically change from one album to the next because they feel like they need to move with some yep. like sort of like genre positioning or whatever where you guys have yeah. always just kind of been saves the day and it's always been fine with me like yeah totally like i thought uh i thought of calling the new album saves the day because i thought it represented a pretty good um ver- variety of all the styles that we've done over the years right you know it's sort of all on the new record um, so it was like, hey, this is like, you know, sounds like saves the day. It's, I agree. <laughs> I think the new record's amazing. Um, and there's a little bit of the like musicality 
a um, little bit of the, you know, just sort of energetic stuff. I was really psyched writing it. And, uh, and then the lyrics have always kind of just been, you know, shooting from the hip. Right. Was, but, you know, like, I mean, my favorite artists are that way. They just keep growing, and they don't look behind. Right. You know, to see what everybody's talking about behind them. Because if, if anybody else could do it, they'd already be, you know, they'd be caught up at this point. Agreed. You know what I mean? Somebody's got to get out there and just blaze the trail. I agree. Get this done. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about music too much. It's just hard because as much as it might be weird, I love, no, it's cool. it, might, it might be weird to you, but I mean, you're a musical punk rock legend. I mean, so you many... know, I don't understand really. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't all... have a very good perspective on that, but I definitely know that it blows my mind when people in bands will come up to me and be like, "Yo, I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for Saves the Day." Well, I was going to say is there's there's a lot of bands, some that are currently huge, that would not exist without Saves the Day. Yeah, it's, that's super wild. It's well, awesome. It's, like, it's very surreal. I mean, even on here, we got like questions from like dudes who are like 36, and we got questions from like people who are like 15. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's like awesome. It's just like it's across the board. Like somehow you've been a band that's been accessible the entire time you've been around, which is really weird. rules because well, I, I've always liked catchy music. Right, and apparently it's paid off for you because you just keep making it. So yeah, That's awesome. It's catchy and honest, you know? So, like, if I were writing about what I was going through when I was 19 um, and being completely sincere, um, there are probably other people that are at that point in their lives now. And, I don't know, there's, like, these, you know, universal themes of growing up. You know, different stages of our lives are kind of the same. You know, it's like the archetypes of the unconscious or whatever Carl Jung said. I agree. Well, we do have yeah. we do have a few uh, questions yeah. for you from listeners, but first I want to talk. Yeah, about lay it on me. First, I want to talk about something that all three of us can talk about for a second. Yeah. That I'm pretty sure you were a big fan of, Chris. Let's talk about the TV show Lost. Okay. All right. <laughs> Lost. You're a fan, right? Yeah, I like it a lot. What's your favorite season? Oh, shoot. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> we talked about it within the last week or two on the podcast as well, actually. What about you? Like, what's your favorite season? Three or four. I can't remember specifically, like, which one is which. Three was... I know at some point they started to have, like, little, like, fluffy episodes. And I was like, man, I just want to kind of get to the point, yeah. figure out what those numbers are about. <laughs> three, three was kind of like the big one because that was the one where they found like the uh, camp where the others lived and like uh, Sawyer and Kate got locked up and they started introducing like um, like how the others had like those like brainwashing chambers and stuff and then season, yeah yeah season four was the one where they they uh, where towards the end they got to like where it flashed forward and they were back in Los Angeles and nobody knew what the fuck oh was yeah happening. yeah you know? after that, that was cool. After that is when I fell off, kind of. Yeah, because like season five. Did you watch man, it through to the end? Though? I did. I watched it yeah. all, and I I cried on the fucking finale because um it was it was sad, man. It was. Yeah, I, I, I like the ending, but it's that's a little controversial. I thought the entire show, the entire time, was more metaphysical, not necessarily about you know the real world or whatever, just sort of exploring themes of uh, human existence and like the. Uh, 
journey that the psyche goes through. How did trying you, to understand this strange thing how did called you, life. How did you take the ending? What did you interpret it as? Um, I suppose uh, there was some sort of general understanding that What's-His-Face came to. Um, I mean, I guess I watched it when it came out, that, that's, that episode or whatever. And I think it might have been a few years back now. But um, I don't know. I thought he was sort of in between the like good and the bad uh, with this understanding that like he could stay um, like protect everybody. Um, you know, with this understanding that life is made up of this, these two sides and it's so, all good. So did you feel... <laughs> I don't did, really... Did you, <laughs> I'd have to watch it again. I, be like, no, oh, I, this is representing... We're just springing it on you. I agree. Enlightenment. But did you feel in the church that that was real or that they were all dead? Um, gosh, I don't think it was real. Um, I don't really think they were all dead. I don't know. I didn't really watch the show like it was like... Um, potentially real at all. Right. But I was just reading through the lines, in between the lines the whole time. Uh, that makes sense. I think there can be an in-between because, I mean, I don't know. No one really knows how Lost really ended. And that I is think some- that it was like, I think all the shit on the island and everything that happened like actually was like the real thing that happened. I think the part in the church when they all reunite was supposed to be like they... Like, all those people were so intertwined, and they all represented a piece of life right. like in general, that they had to eventually come back together to find any kind of peace. So they weren't so, dead? You don't think they were dead? I don't think they were dead the whole time. I think the, parts, the part where they flash forward in the future, and they're all back in Los Angeles and stuff like that, like, at, like on that last episode, yeah. where like they can't remember each other and stuff, is like their souls finding each other again, and then they meet at the church, and then that's the end. That makes sense. That's one interesting way. But I don't know. Kenny from Monim has like all these theories on it. <laughs> Kenny and Hippie from Monim like go on these crazy long drives and talk about their theories and how they would end it differently and stuff. But I don't know what they are. <laughs> I still think that it's interesting that that show, as bizarre as it was, and how rooted in like psychology and like weird spiritual stuff, absolutely that mythology, it, yeah, and that it ever got as popular as it did. Like, it isn't got, that the weirdest? thing Oh, those in the things world? like speak to the the inside of everybody's heart, you know, yeah. and mind. Yeah, I that's agree. why mythology and religion have so many shared motifs, even if like this religion popped up in this. Uh, time period or um, area, um, and, and this mythology came into the world at this time in this area, uh, and they're completely disconnected cultures. They share so many of, of the same motifs and themes. You know, right. it's like an expression of, like, the inner life of humanity. Did you have a... Like, uh, alive and not knowing what's going on and trying to figure out what's going on. Right. That makes sense for yeah. Lost is basically just figuring out what your life is. Yeah. Did you, uh, who was your favorite character? Did you have one? Hmm. Mine was Saeed. I'm going to put it out there right now. Saeed was my favorite character. Yeah. You guys? She was pretty badass, huh? 
I loved Saeed. I thought Saeed had a good heart. He wanted to protect everybody, and he just was such a badass. I liked Echo a lot, yeah. too. Echo didn't get to do a lot, but I thought he was a sweet character. Echo, Echo. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He got, like, eat by the smoke or something. Yeah. <laughs> I always liked Locke, but, I mean... I like Locke. Yeah. I like Linus, too. You were supposed to hate Linus, but, man, Benjamin Linus was a good fucking character. Yeah, he was. Um... I feel like, uh, what was the dude, Desmond or whatever? Oh, yeah, he was great, yeah. Who? Desmond. He was interesting. No, Desmond was awesome. Yeah. He Brother. Was. Yeah. Brother. <laughs> I liked, uh, what's his name, to uh, Jeremy Davies' character, um, Faraday, Jonathan Faraday. Faraday was good. I liked him. I'm in the minority. I like the two dudes, like, who were playing the game together, Jacob and whoever. Oh, and the man in black. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. I thought that was super cool. What's funny is anyone... It reminded me of... uh, What's that movie? Seventh Seal. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is anyone listening... It's a guy playing chess with with death. Pretty cool movie. Anyone who's listening that's watched Lost is stoked right now, and everyone else is like, what the fuck are these guys (laughs) talking about? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you want to do some questions? Some people send some questions for you. Shaw. You want to go or you want me to go? Yeah, my friend Jeff just texted me and told me he would marry your voice if he could. Is that right? Yeah. Marry your voice. That's fantastic. That's, that's a compliment, man. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you gotta get that in the, uh, in the books, the law books. The law. <laughs> Legalize it. Legalize marrying a voice yeah, legalize now. Legalize voice marrying. Yeah, baby. Um, Free love. This guy uh, wrote in and said he wanted us to ask you, how are you so constantly stoked? Well, I'm super psyched when I'm psyched, and then I'm not psyched when I'm not psyched. <laughs> and, like, let's, uh, let's be honest, though. How often are you not psyched? You though? seem psyched pretty often at Warp Tour, and I will say this <coughs> right now about Chris Connolly as a friend. Warp Tour is brutal. Warp Tour is hard. It's hot, and it's long. I never saw you, Chris, like in a bad mood, and I'm sure it existed, but you're one of the most positive, cool, like, just, like, keep everyone cool people I've ever met. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, you know, I've I've definitely been doing it a long time and uh, seen my fair share of ups and downs and also, you know, been all over the world and seen how people live, like, on the streets their right. whole lives in some, some places, even right here down the street, you know? And so uh, at some point, you know, if you see that enough, it starts to create perspective. Right. And uh, I'm, like, very in touch with my mind. It's, like, very, very annoying almost. It's, like, this horrible curse. Like, I just can't um, distract myself from, from what's really going on. So I've had to, like, look at my feelings and thoughts for what feels like centuries you know, and uh, right. at a certain point in time, I had to understand, like, why am I bummed about this? Right. A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. I was through say, the end of the alphabet. Every single day of Warp Tour, you just were always stoked, man. And it always put me in a good mood. Like, I never would talk to you after a set and you'd be bummed or pissed off. Like, you were always just stoked to be playing music. And me, too. Like, I love music. It's like you and I have talked about collaborating. It's because we both love music is... 
we both love music, but you just seem to be able to just like focus on that love of music and push away all the other bullshit. And a lot of people. Well, can't and I do love that. life. You know, I love life so much. It's so strange. I feel like it's just this cool <laughs> experience that nobody can explain, and so I'm just kind of fascinated by it. Right, that makes sense. Um, but like, I mean, I grew up. You know, I was super happy as a little kid, and then once I started to become socialized. Um, like people can be such jerks. Right. Um, and so I went through like lots of years dealing with, you know, seriously dark emotions. And, um, you know, I guess you'd grow up at some point or maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) I'd love to see Kanye like kind of pull it together. (laughs) (laughs) So, so would I, my friend. So would I, you know, like, I don't know. At some point I feel like it's important to have perspective. You see enough people, that you love pass away or, you know, see enough pain in the world, you know, start to reflect on yourself. Like, why is this a big deal to me? Right. Um, you know, that I can't pay my bills or whatever, blah, 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 whatever the problems are, or like how much bad music there is, or, um, there, there's an endless list of things that suck. Um, and I don't know. I, I like, I analyze my, my experience, my relationship to life, like very, very closely. So basically, and so I just kind of wondered about stuff. So basically, what you're and saying, then oh, go on. when I looked at it, I realized that there is a reason to be, um, you know, fucked up. Like life is a big mess, and uh, it's vulnerable. You know, like you can never hold it down, like pin it down, and and, and feel secure. Like, there's no such thing as, like, security. Um, so one thing that really helped me was, like, recognizing that, like, oh, it was totally normal to be, like, afraid or and or sad or pissed off. And then that's why I say that I'm super psyched when I'm psyched and I'm not psyched when I'm not psyched because, like, I don't fight my emotions. I used to, for sure. Right. But then I was like, you know what? That totally makes sense that I feel this way. And I found that like when I stopped fighting myself, like things are just easier, you know, life comes up and it's either like a good day or a bad day. But if I let myself have a bad day or bad morning, or, you know, when there's some like stressful situation to deal with, like the roof is leaking, I'm like, well, of course I'm stressed about that. And then without fighting it, it it goes away quicker, more like weather there's not as much built up pressure, you know? So the whole system just kind of floats away. And I do a lot of like paying attention to my breathing. Um, and then that actually feels really good. I know this is like maybe deeper than we wanted to go, but no, this is actually uh, very good wisdom. What you're saying is awesome. Yeah. And then like through paying attention to my breathing, I became aware of the sensation of being in my body, which is like really, really crazy. When, right. you, when you can like feel what it's like to be inhabiting this body and then all of the senses surrounding us and inside of us are like magical. They're strange. So I don't know, I guess like examining the pain closely led to these like these deeper realizations. But of course life sucks when it sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's going to suck sometimes. Yeah, but 
for it sure. Is, it is hard for people to have that perspective on it. Because, yeah, I think like, your perspective is awesome. Yeah, I think it's great, and I think people could learn. Will probably actually really like that because you can learn something from that. Because most people wouldn't even give that answer. Uh, well, but, it's like we're you know we, I grew up at a time when boys were still told like don't cry. Right. You know what I mean? But I think like we're breaking through that a little bit. It's like okay to have emotions when you're a dude. Yeah. Well, your and uh, your answer honestly. Yeah, your answer helped me. I mean, I've just realized, like, <laughs> yeah, if something sucks, like, you're going to have a bad day, and that's okay. Get over it and then move on to the next thing. Yeah, and you don't have to force yourself to get over it. I found that, like, just noticing my emotions was um, a way to help them not, like, get built up. Even if I were, like, trying to fight away a feeling, I would just be like, well, I'm trying to fight this away because this is uncomfortable. I don't like this feeling. You know, and like, how are you going to stop the tears when something sad happens? No, exactly. And like, I <laughs> right. think a lot of people dwell on the idea that like, they're like, I can't, like, I shouldn't be this way. Like, I'm sad about this, but I shouldn't be sad. And it's like, yeah, you should. If something makes you sad, you have the right to be sad. Like, absolutely. Just, you know, at least. Yeah. And, you know, one of the hardest, like, parts of that journey for me was when I started to recognize, like, when I, when I was sad, um, I also had developed this perspective on the world and I was like, well, there are people that are starving, you know, why should I feel this way? That's, that's dumb. And that was still part of me trying to fight the feeling away. Right. And you know, everybody's allowed to have their experience exactly as it is. Yeah. Right. We, we actually talked about that not long ago, how you start developing like this cognitive dissonance of like, well, I shouldn't feel this bad because these people don't have this thing. And it's like, well, no, you should, you should still be allowed. Well, you to do. Yeah, but you it's still like feel you do. It's like you can't yeah. deny it. The further along you go with fighting that feeling, the worse that feeling becomes because you start believing that you don't deserve it. Like you don't. It's des- all complicated. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that you don't deserve to feel bad because somebody else has it worse than you, and it's like, well, that's not right, man. Like, I mean, everybody goes through shit. Like, you just have to like kind of go with it and figure out why you feel bad, and then deal with it on your own terms. Like, you can't yeah, and I found like there's almost always a perfect reason to feel everything you're feeling. Right. You know, maybe it's like um, some somebody said something nasty 15 years ago that you never really dealt with. You know, and you just kind of still feel fucked up. You yeah. know, and. Or maybe it's like you just read something in the newspaper and you're like, I cannot believe the world we're living in. Yeah. You know, there's like a reason. I find that typically there's like a reason why I have the not psyched feeling. Right. And so I'm not like fighting it. And then I noticed there's also stuff like that you can do to make it better. Um, like, you know, going for a walk, getting fresh air. Yeah. This is all way, way exciting like grown-up realizations, like oh shit, I need to like treat myself better. <laughs> I'm gonna get a shot of wheatgrass. I'm like big on the wheatgrass. Do you think that fresh um, air, wa- walk at the park, <laughs> you know, getting enough sleep? It's all super exciting stuff. Do you think that a lot of that stuff, like a lot of the reason why people won't confront it, like is just out of like fear, like not even necessarily fear of like the unknown, but just. In general, they're scared of like what they might find, even though what they might find on the other side is like some sort of peace with, you know, how they feel. Yeah, about things. I think it is pretty scary, you know, because like we're dealing with like this place where people die, 
and people are mean to each other right. or violent, you know, and, and there's like injustice. Yeah. It's like so right. hard to be a human with this massive brain and like aware of all these things. And, you know, like yeah. the animals will just fight over the branch of the tree that fell. Yeah, instead we're like all standing around talking about it, why it had to fall. Yeah, we're like, why are we Why are we about to fight? Wait, hold on. <laughs> it's just a complicated thing being a human, I think, but I really like it. I, I think like um, there were times in my life where it was just not good. Like I did not feel good. And uh, I had to just go through a just long, long, hard journey to uh, to find that peace. But I swear that the the like end of the war inside of myself was when I stopped fighting it and I started to just notice it, like yeah. consciously go, I feel this way. If I knew why I felt this way, it was even easier. Could I tell myself like I feel this way because A, B, C, and D. Right. And then, right. you know, go back to my breathing. And then a really helpful thing um, was, like, reminding myself that it doesn't last forever. Like, I mean, good feelings and bad feelings. And then you're not, like, so desperately grasping onto things and, like, trying to, like, make life do what you want it to do. And you're just kind of chilling. But, I mean, this is, like, a really long process for me. I think, I mean, it's a really long process for anybody, but the thing is, is, like, it's necessary, like, it's necessary to undertake that process if you want to be, not necessarily even happy, just if you want to just have, like, a normal existence where you're not so stressed all the time, because all you do, like, I'm sure you have this, like, you've met people before that are, like, so high-strung and so worried about every single thing that they can't enjoy anything, and then when there's something nice that happens, they go and they're like, well, why wasn't that longer? Why didn't that last longer? Because I should have, yeah. you know, appreciated it. I know, and then their energy kind of makes the water murky for the rest of us. Right. You can yeah. feel it when somebody's not, like, uh, at peace. Yeah. It's, it's, and then I feel it in myself all the time, like somebody's, like, you know, ride my tail on the road. I'm not driving fast enough because I'm, like, observing the colors change on the trees. Right. And they're like honking or whatever and i'm like what's the deal buddy you know right like i feel stressed out too right. <laughs> you know so i mean we could definitely make the world a better place uh i think like if people like made themselves better but it's not a matter of making yourself better i think it's a, a, a question of like can you allow yourself to be what you are in each moment because then you're not fighting you're not fighting it. And then I found that, like, maybe you have a little bit more control of your actions, you know, like, the more the more peace you find. I don't know. You know, it's, just, it's a crazy, crazy dance. There's a, uh, there's a comedian named T.J. Miller. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, I just met him. Like, yeah. well, I didn't meet him. I went to this comedy festival, and uh, he did a set, and then I saw him afterwards. I was like, hey, man, love your work, uh, Silicon Valley and... Yogi Bear, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, Yogi Bear, that's the good stuff. <laughs> sort of like, you know, self-deprecating, but I, don't know, I was being genuine. He, well, he's very tall. Yeah. Maybe I'm just very short. <laughs> no, I'm sure he took it as you being genuine because he has this whole thing. Uh, like, he has a philosophy. He has his own. He has a podcast with this other guy, Cash Levy, that they, like, 
Oh, they cool. get into like weird. It's called cashing in with TJ Miller. If you want to listen to it sometime, or if anybody does, yeah, I gotta check it out. But he has what a, are they getting into? Well, he has a very interesting like outlook on things. He has a very similar one to yours. If you listen to it, I feel like you would probably feel like he was sure. pretty like akin to like how you feel. But he neat, has, I gotta hang out with this dude. You probably should because you guys would have a lot to talk about. He like he reads a lot of like philosophy and stuff like that, and he oh, talks. Cool. He talks about how. His main goal in life as far as like doing comedy is that what he ultimately wants to do is make people he feels like if he could make everyone comfortable and able to laugh at the fact that one day they're going to die that things would be a lot easier for them. Like I think it would be. Yeah. Like we just had the uh you know, Dia de los Muertos, you know, uh you know, wherever they celebrate that in the world. And uh, it's like a, it's like a holiday that celebrates impermanence, and it's like dancing and singing songs and laughing and dressing up as skeletons. Right. You know, it's like in the face of it all. Yeah, it's very like colorful and beautiful, and like it's supposed to be like a celebration of, like yeah, you don't have much time here. Like you should probably worry less and do more for yourself and like make the most of it. Yeah, and in that way help other. It's normal to worry too. I think. Oh I mean, no, it is. Yeah, I don't know. And everybody does. It certainly looks like life is impermanent. Whether or not it is, it certainly seems on the surface that it's like constantly changing and you can't hold on to it. Right. So that's kind of a scary thing. Right. And that's what he. Tricked by the illusion. That's what he talks about is like that, like, if you. If he can. What. If what he can do on this earth is like make people comfortable with the idea, then everybody would be a lot better off because they might understand that, like, it is like a precious thing that you have. So you should like come to terms with the fact that it will be over one day and move on from that because you can't do anything about it anyway. So everything is absurd, you know, that we worry about. And beautiful and tender, you know, I think we live at this weird time when like the discoveries of science has sort of blown apart all the ancient wisdom from like religions and stuff where people used to be able to say, Oh, well, you know, I die and I'm going to go to this place or, you know, whatever, you know, be reborn or whatever the ideas were. And, uh, you know, as a way to make people feel comforted, you know, in in the not knowing. Right, right. Um, and now it's like, you know, our telescopes can see a zillion light years away, and they're like, well, wait a second, where is this? Pl- like, where are we going to go? I don't understand. Maybe we're going <laughs> to that church at the end of Lost. Right. <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> but I think it's a very uncomfortable time for people, and you see, like, you know, a lot of, like, um, you know, mental disorders or like drug problems, alcoholism, you know, people being abusive, right. um, like people are fucked, you know, like they feel so fragmented and I feel, feel like everybody's got to do it on their, their own somehow to like be able to figure out how to rest in the, the eye of the storm, but yeah. it's tough. It I love comedy for that reason. You know, it helps, you know, feel okay with all the shenanigans i watched the daily show for my, for my news because like i want to know what's going on in the world but it's so heavy you know that and the and the you know a lot of the media outlets will you know potentially utilize the uh the science of propaganda to to make you absolutely to make you afraid or you know worried about your own social standing and then you just kind of obey the rules yeah. It's a little bit of a, a brilliant operation they've got going, but I like watching The Daily Show because I can laugh and cry at the same time. Right. 
you you might have just given the most insightful good answer in the history of the entire planet <laughs> yeah. to the question of why are you always so stoked? <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, I'm glad, too, because everything you just said is so important, and people need to realize these things, because you're completely right. And Justin is, and TJ Miller, is that we're only on the earth, you know, for the amount of time we are, so enjoy it, and stop complaining about dumb shit. Well, it's, I mean, there's always a reason why you're, why you're finding a, re, a need to complain, you know, but I think, like, if you look at it, it's, the bottom line is that, like, the human organism is, is afraid of its own mortality. Yep, absolutely. You know, even, it, but, but the thing I noticed about that is, like, you never know when that's going to come, so there's almost, there's no reason to think about it, but you're, you're, the mind thinks about it on its own, you know, because yeah. it has, like, intelligence of its own. Like the uh, the ego is like the part of us that thinks that it's like in, in control or whatever, but like the whole organism is like alive with intelligence. Like all the organs know what they're doing, right? You know, they're and and our brain is just so massive, and our ability to remember is incredible. And then we project into the future because we're like afraid of the constant changes. Like, well, geez, I better build a house because winter's coming, right? And I think there are good things, you know, to realize, like, you, you can take action when you need to, and then there's also a time when you can, like, help your mind surrender and go back to your breathing, and this is all that very exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is because we do we get questions from people a lot about, like, anxiety and all that kind of thing, so... Oh, it's the it worst. Is, it is nice to have, like, somebody actually answer a question in a way that, like, Give some wisdom to agreed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's so many books out there on this stuff. Like, um, there's so many great thinkers out there. Like the the wisdom of the ages is still alive in our world. It's just like not like on TV. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else, Ryan? Because we should probably wrap up. Oh, I have a few questions. Do you want two more questions, Chris? Yeah, baby. All right. Um, they're simple ones. Um, yeah, hit me. This one is from Paul. I'm not going to mention his last name. Um, hey, McCartney? I have a... <laughs> this is, is from Paul McCartney from the Beatles. Amazing. He said, hey, I have a question for you, Chris. Did you ever feel like an outcast as far as a band goes for Saves a Day and playing shows with heavier or more technical bands that were really big in your time? Did it ever make you want to start a different sounding band? Would have sucked had you have done that, because Saves the Day inspired a lot of bands and I love today. Also, what gives with your time slot in the Albuquerque Warp Tour? Some lame generic screamo <laughs> band played instead of you guys, and it got me mad that I didn't get to catch one of my favorite bands because of scheduling years. Thanks for keeping the podcast going, uh, Ryan and Justin. Before Chris answers, to make this really fast, is I don't know if people realize, but at Warp Tour, you don't choose your slot. It's different. Yeah, it changes every, every day. It's different totally every, every single day. And saves the day or mixtapes can play at 11 a.m. or 8 p.m. That has nothing to do with us. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to make sure you catch all your favorite bands at Warped Tour, you got to show up at 7 in the morning. That's so true. Because <laughs> the only way it's different um, is, like, such as, you know, I mean, they're nice. Like, uh, my mom had surgery the day that Warped Tour was in Pittsburgh. And we played Cincinnati the next day. 
So I asked if we could play in Pittsburgh first and Cincinnati last. But obviously my mom had surgery, so they were like, yeah, that's cool. So I got to go home and see my mom. That's awesome. I feel like they're, they are so accommodating oh, on Warped Kevin, Tour. People that talk shit about Warped Tour, like Kevin Lyman putting on these bands or this bad band or this bad band, don't understand, A, how hard that man works. B, oh how, my gosh, B, yeah. B, how nice everyone is. And C, that's what I mean. Is like I was like, my mom has surgery. They were like, all right, what do you need? When do you need to play? Give us times. And they immediately were like, whatever you need to make sure you get to go see your mom and go to the hospital, we'll make sure that we accommodate it. But outside of like... Absolutely. They care about people, you know? Outside of conditions like that... They don't want anyone to feel marginalized. I feel like that's a reflection of uh, the whole tour itself. That's why there's so many, you know, eclectic bands. Right, and outside of... A little bit of something for everyone. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say, outside of that you don't get to choose your slot on Warped Tour. So unless you have like a medical or family reason, that's why Saves the Day played in Albuquerque whenever they did is because it's all drawn from a hat or a computer. It's random. Yeah, exactly. As for the rest of the questions, I guess you can answer. Well, yeah. I mean, even on a tour like Warped Tour, we, I feel like a bit of an outsider. Um, I'm sure you did as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, absolutely. You know, that, that can happen You know, on every tour. Um, but definitely in the early days, cause we came up through hardcore music, um, and like New York hardcore where it was like very intense dudes, <laughs> you know, and, uh, intense you know, compared first... to what? Like Attila? <laughs> <laughs> um, who's that? They're just some <laughs> man that was on Warped Tour with us this summer. Don't worry about it. No, you you told me about them. You played me some of their music. I just thought yes, it might I be did. funny. I did. I did. No play offense to any of the Attila crew or whatever. It's just jokes. Just Jay Kane. <laughs> but um, yeah, like our very first full U.S. tour was with a hardcore band called Bane, an amazing hardcore band. And um, it was our first time, you know, in like the western part of the country, and uh, and the Midwest for that for that matter. And we were playing to um, Bane's fans, and they were just staring at us, kind of glaring, right. and did not want to hear it, you know? And um, Bane were the coolest dudes ever. Nice guys. And they could Very tell that nice we guys. were, you know, sincere. Yeah. So they kind of sheltered us from that, and they were like, you know what? You guys are doing a cool thing. Like, don't sweat it. You having fun on tour? Like, yeah, this is amazing. Like well, we we believe in you, and uh, and you know we'll we'll keep you guys comfortable. And by the time the tour ended in Boston, which was their hometown, we had all these hardcore dudes coming to the show to see us and like head walking and moshing. And uh, that was to like say, the beginning. Two saves the day songs. The, yeah, that's well because Bane was like this band's great, and they sent like a CD home or something, you know. Like, people in Boston knew about us somehow through Bane. And um, that was the first place where we were ever really welcomed in the hardcore scene. Right. And uh, the next couple tours were all like that, you know, with hardcore bands. We even did a tour with Snapcase and Buried Alive. Buried Alive, Scott Vogel. But they were all the coolest. Like, yeah. Scott was on Warp Tour. He's still the coolest. Scott was on Warp Tour. And those guys with this summer were with Terry, so yeah. awesome. Yeah, Scott was Everyone on... was supportive, you know? Scott, 
sang in Buried Alive and he also sings in Terror. Yeah. He, he was on tour with you and I this summer, and Scott is one of the best guys ever. He's great. I love him so much. He just loves what he's doing. You know, he loves the community. And I think, like, it's a testament to hardcore that a band like Say Today could be accepted by the bands themselves because those bands were singing about being, like, rejects, you know? Right. Or, you know, a lot of um, anger with the system, you know, fighting against, like, uh, like the post-Reagan years, you know? Right. Um, There's a lot of uniformity that was being, like, um, promoted in, like, mainstream culture. You know, you have to look this way. I mean, I guess it's maybe it's always been that way, that status quo or whatever, but in hardcore, it was, like, all these punks and freaks um, like all together, you know, that's definitely where warp tour came from. Right. Which is awesome. But I mean, the other part of that question, like, did I ever think about starting another band or whatever different kind of band? Absolutely not. It never like, even occurred like, to me. Like I was always so psyched to be doing what I was doing that's on the guitar. Answer. And it was, it was a blast the whole time. That's a great answer. Cause I think a lot of people, sometimes would think that maybe because maybe because you know something else was cooler or bigger or hardcore was getting bigger you might want to try to jump on that ship but saves that they never did and you just did exactly what you know like i never wanted to be like a frontman in a band i definitely got pulled into this because i was like the only kid at school that was writing songs on guitar right and uh there were two other kids that were sort of like skateboarding skateboard kind of dudes brian newman and uh, his friend Justin, and they were playing in Brian's parents' basement, like on the weekends, but they were just like doing Black Sabbath riffs. Right. You know what I mean? And there was no singer or anything. And then they heard that I learned guitar over the summer in 1993. And um, they're like, hey, like, you're, uh, you're playing guitar and you, you're like making stuff up, like, why don't you come over? We'll play your your little riffs or whatever. And I was just trying to like do like Led Zeppelin riffs so it appealed to them because they were playing Black Sabbath riffs. <laughs> Zepp- like Zeppelin was the reason I wanted to play guitar. And um, they pulled me into it. I never in a million years, I don't think I would have thought to even start a band. Right. I was really just excited about the guitar. Like at that point in my life, I was this 13-year-old that was, like, really, um, like, teased a lot at school. Right. And so I didn't feel very comfortable in my own skin. But that guitar and, like, albums were just, like, this wonderful world where, like, nobody was there, like, you know, like, making jokes about me, you know, like, laughing at me in the hallways or whatever, which is, that's really painful, you know, that's like right. serious first world problems right there. <laughs> um, that's I mean, it's like a legit problem, you know? Yeah. I mean, now we have it in like the, the national conversation about bullying and stuff. And I think that's fantastic. That's you know, right. people's feelings are, are, are delicate and they matter. Agreed. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just love the guitar so much. And then these guys wanted to play my songs and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, Never it's just so back. funny because Save the Day is such an influential band, and to hear you just say stuff like, 
these guys just wanted to play my songs and they became saves the day. It's just so funny because Yeah. I like mean, I never guys, in a million years would have thought this is where I was gonna be. I'd never had any like direction or whatever. I was just psyched on the guitar. I want <laughs> when I was a kid I wanted to play sports. <laughs> you know? But then I like wound up you know, not like some massive football player. All right, before we finish, if you could be any professional sports player right now, what sport would you play in? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I think baseball is still my favorite sport. Okay. Who's your team? I like the Phillies. Wow. It's, that's but I also got to give it up to the Giants because, uh, you know, that's like the closest team to me on the West Coast. Right. And uh, I think they do pretty well. I, yeah, it seems like they're doing all right. Yeah, I'd say they're doing yeah. okay. <laughs> oh, man, we're almost out of time. Will you come back on and do another episode? Yeah, dude, absolutely. We would I would lo- love to. We would love to have you back. You yeah, have been yeah. one of the best guests we've ever had. You're the best. Oh, thanks. Yeah, let's get weird. Let's get rad in America. <laughs> i say, let's get way more weird. Let's uh, have another episode soon. We'll get more... I have more questions for you. We're just out of time, so let's uh, cool. Let's have you yeah, back let's soon. Do it. I'll text you later tonight, and then we'll talk, and then we'll uh, we'll schedule again. Okay, cool. All right, Chris, have a good night. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you, and uh, yeah, hope you have a good night too. Rock on, baby! Everybody, listen to the new Saves a Day record. It's self-titled. It has uh, what is it? A tangerine on the cover, or a, a grapefruit? A grapefruit. <laughs> It's fucking great, and uh, <laughs> I will text you later, and thank you so much. All right. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Have Check a good night. you later. Bye. Right. Bye. Okay. That was easily one of the best guests we've ever had. No, oh, he's amazing. Chris can talk forever. Like and I've I mean said, that in a complimentary way, yeah. as in we could have gone on for four more hours. Like I said, I just posted on Facebook. I was like, I, I said I was on the, on our, we were interviewing him on the podcast, and I was like, uh, it's much like his singing voice. It's like being wrapped up in a nice, like, or laying your head on a nice warm pillow. Yeah, Chris is the best because he has a great outlook on life. He's yeah, probably one of the best. He's experienced <laughs> so much. Yeah, and he's done so much, and he's so humble. Yeah, you can't even compare to it. But that uh, that being said, I hope you guys like that interview. And got something out of it because I did. It was really interesting. No, it literally actually helped me. So I hope you guys got some yeah. of it too. Like Chris is someone to help you. He was like that on Warp Tour. When we were on Warp Tour, he would just come up to me and like if I was like bummed about something or Warp Tour, he'd be like, "Listen, man, listen, baby, it's all good, baby." <laughs> like he was just, he was just. The problem, the thing is about him is he's the only person who would say that to me, and I'd be like, "No, and I believe this." Right, exactly. <laughs> so sincere, such a good fucking guy. So moving on it's from insane. Chris Conley, you from, guys had a pretty good weekend, right? Or you did? I, I mean, even though you had to come back early, man. Yeah, I had a crazy weekend. It was the craziest weekend of my life, the most emotional weekend of my life, minus like my dad passing away, probably. Right. Literally number two. The hardest and uh, coming back, yeah, everything about it was awful, but everything about the weekend was so amazing. Um, Mixtapes, the band I play in, we had our final show at Fest this weekend, Yeah, which is the Gainesville Fest in Florida, in Gainesville, Florida, put on by a guy named Tony Weinbinder, who does No Idea Records, and uh, 
it sucked because the band went down there in the van. Right. And I had to drive separately. Yeah. Because I had court today and tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, and I had to meet with my attorney yesterday. And the fest was uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Right. We played on Friday. My plan was we toured down there for a week with some great, amazing bands called Direct Hit, Lipstick Homicide, and Elway. All good. And boys. And then uh, the plan was I would, I guess I just drove separately. A few people rode with me a few days. Then we played Friday on like the biggest, like the main stage at Fest outdoors. And I was going to leave Saturday at 8 a.m. Right. So I could be back here early and have some sleep, meet with my attorney on Sunday. Yeah, it didn't work out because I know you were still there. <laughs> that didn't fucking work out at all because life happens, I guess. <clears throat> so, I mean, I know you already like said uh, how much you appreciated everything that everyone's oh, done, but you might as well just say it out loud now. Since yeah, the show was insane. We played Friday. The outside venue holds, I think, five or six thousand people. So there was about 3,000 watching us. I saw, like, before you guys played, I saw this, like, really weird... Like, there's a bunch of people on Instagram that follow me from this podcast. Yeah. And I follow them back because I always follow everybody back who is, like, an actual person. Me too. And uh, it was weird to watch the strange buildup of excitement everybody had for watching you guys. Because, like, it was seriously, like... All these people like tagging each other who hadn't ever met before, but yeah, because yeah. of you guys and because of this podcast, like follow each other on there and then got to meet in real life and like, yeah, all kinds and of stuff. It's really interesting. It's and it's weird because a lot of people um, online thought that we were breaking up because of the tiger's jaw thing or because we didn't get along. And I talked about it on stage, but I mean, it was all bullshit. Like I love Mora, I love Paul, I love Boone, or a band that has meant so much to me over the last five years that if we didn't start, I'd be dead right now. Yeah. After my dad passed away. That's how I coped. Um, people ask, we'll play again. We probably will. And yeah. I, don't, I don't mean that in a way as if like our breakup and like the final show wasn't like a serious thing. We have no plans right now. We're not writing. We're not going on tour. Right. Everybody's in a different place. Everyone lives in a different city. Yeah. Those were our last shows. It, but if the time appears, of course, we'd love to play again together. We all love each other. But, you know, Absolute Punk and Property of Zach and all these fucking websites have people saying, like, well, Ryan said the Tigers will comment, so him and Maura hate each other, and they're breaking up and blah, blah, blah. And that obviously had nothing to do with anything. Considering that this, We've like, been talking about yeah. what happened for the last year. Right. We got into a scene that we didn't want to be a part of. Right. It's not a bad scene. It just wasn't us. And we got lumped in with a lot of things we don't want to be lumped in with. And we decided to go out on top, unlike most bands. Like, you know, we didn't make, like, a shitty record. We didn't change. We were us, and we did everything we wanted to do. Right. And Mixtapes was proud. So we said, let's just, you know, let's do it. Like, 99% of bands don't do it like that. So we're like, let's just end it, and let's just make these our final show. So... Um, it was outdoors, like 3,000 people. It was amazing. Um, not all 3,000 there to see us by any means, but a lot of people were there singing along, going crazy. And uh, when we finished, it was weird. I, everyone, I think, started crying. I walked off to the side and cried for like a half an hour. It was very emotional and weird. Yeah. 
And then Tony that does the fest came up to me because I was going to leave at 8 a.m. the next day because I had to meet my lawyer. And Tony comes with me and goes, listen, man, the show was awesome, but I know it probably wasn't like intimate like you wanted for your last show of all time. Do you want to play at 1982 tomorrow at 1.30 p.m.? 1982 was like a small punk bar in Gainesville that holds like 200 people. Right. <clears throat> I was like, oh. Kind of like, um, man. not quite, but kind of like going back to the beginning of when you guys started. Yeah, sort of basically, like yeah. So I was like, fuck, man. So, Well, I hope you weren't like, fuck, man. No, not really, like that. I was, I was just like, man, yeah, of course I want to do that. But <laughs> I need to leave really early, and it's 1.30 p.m. And I went back to the Less Than Jake Paper and Plastic Warehouse. And uh, Vinny from Less Than Jake and JR, who have both been on our show, yeah, are good friends of mine. And we had some drinks. We were talking and eating food. And then... They were both just like, you're going to regret this if you don't do it tomorrow. And I was like, you're right. So I texted my band, and I texted Tony, and was like, all right, we'll do the show tomorrow at 1.30. I wish you had been like, fuck you, man. You can't tell me. <laughs> this is punk rock, man. So we decided we were going to play Maps, our first album, front to back, and then three or four more songs. And that was going to be our real last show. And unlike the outdoor 3,000 people show, it was just going to be people that just wanted to see mixtapes, like our biggest fans. Or like at least people you know that connected the most. Right. So, um, we got there, and it was crazy, man. Like, the videos, I think, will be out this week, but Fest just ended today. But, man, like, it was, uh, we played Maps front to back and played three more songs. By the end, everyone was on stage. Nick from Direct Hit came out and did Where Was Shame, and I was literally bawling. Like, I was in tears. And someone almost took the set list. But we talked about how we never make set lists because we don't ever make set lists. Right. But for that show, it was our last show. We only had 30 minutes, so we made sure to make a set list. And a guy handed me the set list like while I was crying and was just like, you need this, man. Like, it's your only set list. And, like, our, our fans just, like, got it. It was the craziest. That's amazing. Most emotional weekend of my entire life. Like, I cried <laughs> for so many hours. And it was funny because that was – originally it was we were going to play at one thirty. Right. Till 2. Yeah. I told my band, like, I probably won't even help load. Is that cool? I'm just going to drive home. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. All right, cool. Well, I helped load. And then my friend Matt, who who works at Hopeless Records, and I was like, you know. Matt Medina. Matt Medina. Been on the show. He has been on the show. I was like, do you want to go eat real quick? And then I'm going to leave. He was like, all right, so cool. You took a bunch of very weird romantic pictures of. Like, I did. Your, I did. Your, your guys' pictures together were like you guys, like the way that someone takes a picture of their girlfriend when they go out to eat with somebody. Like, like it was like that. And he had like the same look on his face, like he was being all bashful, like looking at the food. And like, uh, we fucked, but uh, yeah, that's fine. So, me and Matt go out to eat. And then uh, he has to go watch a band on his label. So, I go back to the Listen Jake place. And then it was like, I think Vinny was like, all right, cool. You should have a safe trip. Uh, the Descendants are about to practice if you want to stick around. And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm going to stick around because the Descendants are the fucking Descendants. Mm-hmm. So um, I met Bill Stevenson and all those guys and Carl and got like pictures with them. Funny part about that is as I'm getting a picture with Bill Stevenson, Vinny from Lesson Jake is like, Punisher. Like, being joking, obviously. And I was like, it's the fucking Descendants. I was like, I'm not missing it, man. I was like, so, I have a Descendants tattoo. And I was just like, yeah. So I met them and took a picture with them. 
And then my friend Carly was like, do you want to have dinner? And I was like, all right, I'll eat with you and then we'll leave. By the, final, by the time we finished eating, it was like 6.30. <laughs> Lester and Jake played at 7 and the Descendants at 8. So I was like, fuck it. So yeah. I watched Lester and Jake play, right. watched the Descendants play, and somehow it becomes like 10 o'clock. Right. And I'm like, fuck, I got to drive overnight. And I did. Like, I had to. So I'm not regretting anything that just no. happened because everything that just happened was amazing. Like, yeah, I have pictures of like Descendants. Those, I yeah. watched him practice. I met Bill Stevenson. I met Carl Alvarez. I met Milo. I dang with Les and Jake, who are my friends, but still one of my favorite bands of all time. I got to watch their set. We had all these amazing sets. Like I cried so much. It was just, it was amazing. And then I had to drive overnight, so I uh, drove for like it's a twelve-hour drive from Gainesville to where I live. Right. I drove for four or five hours, stopped at a rest stop, slept for like three or four hours, had a blanket pillow in my car, then kept on driving through the night, and then around 9 a.m., I was like, man, I'm really tired, like too tired, but football's at one o'clock, and I gotta set my fucking line up. <laughs> so I texted my roommates, and I was like, I'm gonna sleep for <clears throat> one hour, I'm set my alarm, I'll be home by one o'clock. Yeah. So I stopped at a, a truck stop. I slept for one hour, like a power nap. Woke up, plowed through the last three hours. I got home at 12.43. I took a seven-minute shower. I had ten minutes left. I set my lineup, and then we watched football at one o'clock. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> that was my weekend. And uh, to anyone listening, I mean, yeah, the mixtape set was... And I mean, the last set was so crazy. Like the 200 cap room, I was in tears. Everyone in my band was in tears. We all hugged each other. The people that put our records hugged each other. People were coming to me showing me mixtapes, tattoos, crying. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine that we ever had this impact. I mean, like, I started writing the songs after my dad passed away. You know what I mean? And like, I I wouldn't be here without mixtapes. But I didn't realize how many other people wouldn't be here without mixtapes. Yeah. And it blew me away. Like, people were coming up to me. Like, I literally was, like, crying, like, unabashedly. Like, I wasn't trying to hide it. Yeah. I was like, this is our last show. Like, I'm fucking sad. Right. I love our band, but I think we ended at the right time for right now because we did what we needed to do. But yeah. I didn't realize how many other people, you know, were coming to me with mixtapes, tattoos, and just anything, just, like, crying as well. And it blew me away. Like, it was... It was the most amazing thing of all time. Like, I've never had a weekend like that in my life, and I never will again, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting, though, because, like, you... We've talked to people on here, and we know bands, and we've seen bands or whatever that... have gone on longer than they should at this point. And that's They're it. They're still that's, around. That's a big part like, of it. It's a whatever. very big part of it. And, like... The sad part is, is like, and I hate to say this because it sucks and it's a shitty thing to say, but there's a lot of people I know who have tattoos of bands that are still around and now they regret those tattoos. Well, picture if you had like an AFI tattoo. What I'm saying is like, I know people who have, uh, you know, uh, a lot of Alkaline Trio tattoos and I'm just like, at this point, like they have been around so long that the only reason they're around is because. That's like still what makes them money. Newfound or whatever. Glory. Yeah, newfound. I was gonna say newfound glory, but I didn't want to be so. Impolite. We didn't. We just didn't want. But that. But that's what I'm saying is like those people who got tattoos from your band, they won't regret that because that was a part of their life 
You guys went out in the correct way. They don't regret it, and they're happy because we didn't make an album that changed. We didn't make any stupid decisions. We didn't make a shitty album if you like the kind of music we made. And like... Like I said, I think one day we'll make we'll play again. Um, I don't know. We have no plans, obviously. Like I don't want people to think this was some sort of like falsified bullshit thing. Like we're broken up. We yeah. have no plans at all. No. But we all like each other, and yeah. I think if the opportunity arises, and it has nothing to do with money. It's not like we ever made a ton of money. No. It just has to do with yeah. I'd like to play with more on Paul and Boone again, of course. Like I love. I mean, these I guys. think that uh, I think that's an important thing, though, is that people have to understand is like. No matter what is going on, you guys are still friends. Like it's not. We are friends, and, it's I, not, and I'm the one that put the breakup in motion. Is as we were on Warp Tour, and like to be honest, we just got offered a different tour for the fall, and it was a tour that none of us wanted to be a part of. Right. I'm not going to say any names, right? But uh, we got offered a tour, and I was just like, you know what? And we we would have to miss Fest for that tour, which is what we just did. No, and it was. A pop punk tour, and we were just like, we don't want to be in that scene. Like, let's just play fest and let's just be done. And every one of my band agreed, and that's how I knew, like, we're right. on the same so page. Then that's good, and that's because I feel like no matter what, and even though we're saying this, and this is on the fucking record, and this is what you're saying, is that there's still going to be a bunch of fucking shitty people who are speculating, like, he's just hiding what's really going on. No, there's no conspiracy. There's here. no fucking hiding anything. In fact, Moore and I talked to each other. And- an hour before this podcast about stuff. This has nothing to do with controversy. This has no. nothing to do with Tiger's Jaw. Fuck Tiger's Jaw. Fuck the world's beautiful place. Fuck all the bands that tweeted at me. Mixtapes is a band that accomplished everything we ever wanted to do. Right. And how hard is that to say? You know, like, we're lucky. Yeah, you are, yeah. There's nothing hiding. We're not breaking up because we don't like each other. We're not breaking up because of controversy. We accomplished everything we wanted to do. Our original goal was to play a show in Cincinnati. Right. And then it took you. I quit a very world. serious job. <laughs> Moore quit college. Yeah. And her and I went out together and we traveled the fucking world. Yeah. It's been five years. We've done so many amazing things. And now it's just time to do something different for a while. Right, you can't ask for anything better. Do than I want to play with those people again? Of course I do. I still yeah. talk to them. I texted everyone in my band today. Literally, like we texted each other, and it was like, "Great set. You're the best people. Like this and that. Like, it's just funny that I read people on like Absolute Punk or like these websites. Like, they broke up because like Ryan said that Tiger's Jaw thing, and they all hate each other. <laughs> it's like I'll, I'll tell you this: no, uh, we don't hate each other, man. I'll, I'll <laughs> say this as part of that is. You, when we first started this podcast, that those gears were already spinning, like they were already in motion. Yep. Before we recorded the first ever episode, we were talking about that exact thing. That was a year ago. Yeah, that was literally yeah a year ago, uh, before Fest last year. So if anybody wants to say it was because of any of that stuff, and we've talked at length about all that stuff before, it wasn't. It was because this was a thing that was coming down the line, and it was going to happen because. That's what happens when people are in bands and you know you're younger and whatever. Like people move on, people do other things, people move. I, I realized it, I got to the point where I was like, I can keep on doing these tours with bands I don't want to tour with and make money and pay rent, right? Or I can try to figure out my fucking life. And I'm 31 years old. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. 
Yeah. If we get the opportunity, of course we'll play again. I love my band. I love mixtapes. Mixtapes saved my life. Right. Like, I wrote those songs after my dad died, and I would be dead if I didn't write those songs. Right. Because I would have done something really stupid. And I think, like, I think that's why people connect with it, and I think that's why it's important to people. And I think that's why, like, honestly, it will continue to be important to people because Agreed. they recognize the value in that. So, you if, know. If I wrote a mixtape record right now, it wouldn't, probably wouldn't be very good. No. So why do that? There's no reason to. Go out on the fucking high note. Don't fucking, <laughs> just, don't just linger around so you can keep making some money like, I don't know, 40 other fucking bands that we a know personally. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I figured that might be a good note to end this on, just because that way you could say thank you to everybody. Yeah, no. And I feel like, you know, as a person who knows you and whatever, and as we do this podcast together, like, I think I speak for everybody and say thank you for doing what you do. Oh, like, well, thank you. I um, Thank you to anybody listening that loves mixtapes. This weekend was incredible. If you weren't there, that's fine, because you experienced the songs. And they're still there, and I mean them. Like, every lyric that I wrote was so sincere. Like, we never did anything fake. We never did any bullshit. And we always said whatever we wanted to say, which probably hurt us in the end. We could be a bigger band if we didn't do all that shit. <laughs> you know, but same. you know what? We were fucking honest. And, like, <laughs> if you hear our record, that's that's the way it is. So thank you for listening. And thank you for listening to Big Snackers, which is now overtaken mixtapes. Somehow, Somehow, and we have become a very <laughs> popular podcast. <laughs> I don't get it, uh, I but I was actually it. talking to my friend Madeline earlier, and it was funny because at Warped Tour, like, it wasn't like, I love your songs. People come up and be like, I love your podcast. Here's like a gift for you and Justin. <laughs> and that's amazing. So thank you. So please continue. Uh, well, right now we oh, have a gift. I forgot. I was going to say, about it. Uh, th- um, I forgot to say this earlier. We've been drinking uh, this 12 pack that. Um, Anthony, uh, who lives in Buffalo, who came down to Cincinnati. Buffalo came to, yeah, he came from Buffalo to Cincinnati yeah. for Mixtape's last Cincinnati show. In fact, uh, another guy, Peter, who's written him before, flew in from New Jersey to he here did. to watch their last uh, show in Cincinnati. Peter Waka Waka. Yeah. And, I remember uh, these people. See, I don't forget these names. These sh- are shower beers on uh, on. Uh, Instagram shower beers HC. He is from England. Flew into uh, America, not necessarily just to see the mixtapes last show, but that was a big motivation for him. He went, he hung out here and went all the way down to Fest and to see you guys play. So it's yeah, like we had we had a last week of shows and people flew from all over the country and the world and that's that's a fucking that's fucking crazy. crazy. Thank you so much, like. Man, we're lucky. I don't know. But regardless, fuck, fuck most bands. <laughs> we did it. We did it right. But regardless, Anthony from Buffalo, which your Twitter handle is super long, and I don't know if I even remember what it is, but you know <laughs> who you are. Thanks for the beers, and uh, we appreciate it. We do, and uh, we appreciate everybody listening. We do. And uh, do you want as one last gesture of goodwill to the people who listen to your band and listen to the podcast to go out with one of your guys' songs? No. No? I want to end with Rack City by Tyga. <laughs> All right, it's fine. <laughs> um, we could end with a mixtape song because that would make sense because it's our last show. But instead, we've been talking about Tyga. <laughs> Tyga is maybe the worst rapper of all time. No one likes Tyga. 
And no one wants Tiger to be on their songs, but he got signed to this big label somehow. So Tiger Rack City is maybe one of the worst songs that has ever existed in the last 10 years. And this is the thing is like... And I would like to end on this song instead of a mixtape song. I'm not, I'm not even... This is what I'm not going to do. I'm not even going to bother to get it and put the MP3 on this. We're going to listen to it with you and laugh at it until because, we can't take it. And then we'll probably cut it off. <laughs> because it's like this. We could on a mixtape song. Or we could on on some 10, 10, 20, 20s on your titties, bitch. <laughs> Let's go ahead and uh, together. Let's experience Tyga. Yeah. Rack all City. glory. Uh, the worst rapper maybe ever to live outside of Young Thug, I guess. Maybe. Uh, oh God, Tyga has a song called Hookah featuring Young Thug. No, so I've I've watched the video. Good, I'm not no, going to. Don't want you to. <laughs> I have. Close your eyes for a second and try to imagine the most dark, <laughs> murderous, corrupt place on the planet. Times that by a hundred, and you got where I'm from. It's hard making a living in this town. There's it's even harder to stay alive. Nothing about him. I managed to do both for 22 years. I got my crew backing me up. But with Mr. Rose, you never know what's going to happen. Here we go. City bitch. Yeah. Rack city bitch. Rack, rack, rack city bitch. Where is he from? Rack city bitch. Rack, rack city bitch. 10, 10, 10, 20s on your titties, bitch. Rack city bitch. You don't know who you fucking with. Who is fucking with my other bitch? Fucking all night, nigga. We ain't sell a bitch. Nigga, sound too dope. I ain't selling it. All right, let me let me show you real quick. Stop this for a second. All right. Okay. Here's every Tiger song. I got a big dick, man. You got a little clip. Motherfucker bitch, bitch. I'm motherfucker bitch. I'm motherfucker bitch, man. I'm motherfucker bitch. Got a big dick. Put it in her titties. <laughs> there you go. That was it. Young, young money, young money, and we getting rich. It's grandma He's... on my dick. <laughs> Girl, you know what it is. Rack city, bitch. Rack, Wait, rack city. This is not a fucking song. I need to say one thing here for a second. Okay. His birth name is Michael Ray Nian Stevenson. Nian uh, hyphen Stevenson, which Nian is a fucking Korean name, like last name. What is happening? I don't know much about him, but I didn't realize that he was. Oh, a Viet. I'm sorry, it's Vietnamese and Jake Jamaican. Okay, well. Rag City bitch, rag rag city. He bitch. grew up in Compton, listening to Fabulous. I just rag city bitch, rag city bitch, TNT twenties and fifties bitch. I just city bitch, rag rag city bitch, rag city bitch. Hey Tiger, what's going on? Turn that off, man. Turn that off, bitch. What's going on? Turn that off, bitch. Okay, what's happening? What's up, man? It's Tiger. Hey. Some, uh, How you doing? Are you still putting lime and coconut? Or yeah, I'm, I got a fucking new mixtape coming out. Uh, the, the covers got me riding tiger, so it's like tiger riding a tiger. You see what I'm saying? It's a metaphor, bitch. A metaphor for what? What? A metaphor for what? It's a metaphor of like tiger riding a tiger, bitch. <laughs> that's not no. That's just what it is. It's not actually a metaphor. I don't know. If, I don't know if you understand the definition of metaphor, tiger, but. <laughs> Listen, bitch, just like this, man. No, you don't, you don't just get to talk to people because you have money or whatever. You have to understand the English language at some point. Like, man, it's like this, man. Yeah. I got I go to the strip club with like 30 hundreds. How much money is that, bitch? $3,000. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I don't think you're going to fool me at all. That's $3,000, bitch. And I walk but, into, I walk. 
<laughs> Here's my problem with that is that 30 bills of any sort probably won't last long in a strip club. You must be really bad with money if you just... Nah, man, I'll go to Atlanta. You go to Atlanta? Atlanta got this strip club with girls that are like fat and midgets and shit, man. It's like some crazy shit, man. Mm-hmm. And like I... I uh I throw hundreds of them bitches, but like I'm worth like twenty five million dollars. So what I do, man, Tiger goes up into the club <sighs> and like Tiger. Uh, what what why, bitch? What bitch? Why do you seem like you're talking about the club and getting way too excited? Listen, like, bitch. Listen, bitch. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. It's like this. I see some titties. My my dick get hard. Oh uh, yeah. I watched Drumline. My dick get hard. Wait, why? You watched Drumline? Yeah, I mean I've seen it. You seen Drumline? Yeah. My dick get hard. Okay, but I mean I was asking why your dick gets hard. I Again, see- I think you don't understand English because <laughs> you don't know what a metaphor is, and you also don't understand like that. Just because I at, like knew what Drumline was doesn't mean I know your dick gets hard off of it or why it would. Man, you seen them cheerleaders? My dick get hard. Yeah, but they're only in it for like two seconds at a time. <laughs> oh, my dick get hard for two seconds at a time. Can I give you a suggestion? Yeah. There's a movie you should watch. What's up, bitch? It's called Bring It On. I'll bring it on this time, man. I fucking, I shoot a load like a camel when I watch it. Like a camel or a cannon? A camel with a cannon. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You're getting a little out of hand. Oh, man. I shoot loads like... I feel like I, I know how to calm you down. I know how to calm you down. Yeah. Oh, that's my song. I'm a motherfucking star. I'm a motherfucking star. Look at the paint on the car. The paint on the car. Make the right too hard. Tell that bitch why I'm too hard. I need my money pronto. Hey, turn that off, bitch. in the morning. Let me tell you some, okay? Uh-huh. Tiger put the lime in the coconut, right? Yeah. Uh, you gonna fuck with Tiger? I, I don't even know why you're here. Because <laughs> I came in, man. I'm in Cincinnati today. I'm in Daytona tomorrow. Then I'm in Minneapolis on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I'm in Los Angeles. Seems like a lot of flying to you. I feel like you're going to be jet lagged. I'll be jet lagged, but it's okay because I'll be getting them blowjobs. Then, like Alonzo, Rondo, green got cheese like a nacho. If you ain't got no ass, bitch, wear poncho. Head honcho. Got my Wait, seat. hold on. Hold on one second. I want to ask you about this lyric here. If you so you got cheese like a nacho if you ain't got no ass bitch wear a poncho i don't like this is what i'm trying to understand uh do you mean like that uh, you'll throw so much money that she needs to wear something because her ass isn't big enough. No, nah, I'm saying, yeah, I'm, uh, if her ass ain't big enough, wear a poncho so nobody can see that oh, shit. Oh, okay. well, you poncho, know, that might be... A poncho ain't showing no part of anybody's ass, yeah, right, bitch? Right, might, bitch? That... right, bitch? Right, bitch? Yeah, no, yeah, I, bitch. I already agreed with you. What? You don't have to be so aggressive. No, nah, I mean aggressive, but I'm saying if a girl ain't got no ass, wear a poncho because I'm trying to see that shit. You, you're... You're trying to see it or you're no, not? No, I ain't trying to see it. I am not trying to see that shit. Well, okay. I only want to see some big asses bouncing on my beautiful well, dick. <laughs> you're <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's something you said for your confidence. I got a beautiful dick. That, that's very nice. You want to argue with that bitch? I didn't argue with it. Shut the fuck I up. Did, I, Shut I, the I, fuck okay. up. 
head honcho, got yeah. my seat back. That's my song. Big staring at me, don't get bapped. Got my shirt off, the club two pack. It's two turns. Why would you take your shirt off because there's too many people in the club? Like, it's like this. Well, I see so many people in the club, and I know there's so many bitches in there. Like, I don't pay attention to the dudes because dudes got dicks. Right, and you have beautiful Fuck dick. that. I got a beautiful dick. When I see so many fucking ladies in the club, I take oh. my shirt off because they see my biceps, and they probably assume I got a beautiful dick. Now, when you take yeah, your shirt off, do, yeah, you ever, what's up, bitch? do you ever twist around your head spin like a helicopter? I ain't no fucking pee pop little bitch. Nah, I just got my big old fucking beautiful dick. I take my shirt off so girls see it in the club. Because when I wear the right kind of jeans, you see the outline of my dick, and it's like a third fucking leg. That didn't really explain. Bitch. That didn't explain anything. What do you, what do you mean to explain, bitch? Going up like gas, goddamn. Pull out my rags, Mike, Mike Jackson, nigga, yeah, I'm back. Red tat 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 it up in my bag. All the hoes love me, you know what it is. Rack city bitch, rack rack city bitch, rack city bitch, rack rack city bitch, rack city bitch, rack rack city bitch. Ten 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 twenties in the titties bitch. Rack city bitch, rack rack city bitch. In this part of the video, yeah, yeah, what's up, bitch? You are. Watching a woman, yeah, bitch, uh, hit golf balls at yeah. what appears mm-hmm. to be, yeah, bitch, the Santa Monica Pier, Santa Monica Pier, bitch. That's yeah. right. I'm from LA. Los Angeles. A, represent, motherfucker. You're sitting with a very large man, yeah, bitch, and he's eating donuts. Fuck yeah, he is, bitch. But that's all. Yeah. Why was that man eating donuts? What does he have to do with anything? You like ever what? met you ever you ever met a cop, bitch? A what? You ever met a police officer? Yeah, I've met a police officer. The motherfuckers love donuts. But this bitch. guy isn't a police officer. Nah, you don't know that's undercover, bitch. He donuts. He's a big dude. Will that be revealed later in the video? What? Maybe, but what I'm saying bitch, is rack, that rack ain't city, <laughs> Rack city bitch, rack rack city bitch, ten 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 twenties in the fifties bitch. Throwing hundreds, hundreds. My fucking video, bitch. Hundreds, Justin, yeah. Hundreds, Rack city. Get ready for this next verse, bitch. Throwing hundreds, hundreds. Holla, holla, hundreds, holla, hundreds, hundreds. Throwing hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Rack city bitch, rack rack city bitch. You're not saying hollicks, you're saying hundreds. Yeah, that's what like I said. Hundreds. hundreds. No, you said a holics. No, over I said, no, I didn't, man. I said hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. No, you kept saying holics. So it's obvious. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Hundreds, hundreds. Holics, holics. That's hunnets. again. You just said hunnets. holics. Hundreds, 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 hundreds. Ah, this is a part of the video where I get taken away in a helicopter because I'm not no, me. You're being, you're being chased and shot at by an Apache helicopter. Ah, fuck that Apache helicopter. Tyga, can I ask you one question yeah, before up, we end this? Because yeah, that's man, the end of the song. And also, you said get ready for one more verse, and there wasn't what? one. Yeah, what's up, man? Are you functionally illiterate? That Apache helicopter tried to come for me because I went to the strip club and I saw so many titties. And I fucked. That's not. And I fucked so many bitches, man. That that Apache helicopter was coming for me. And I was like, oh, fuck you, Apache helicopter. So I got away from it, man. And that's the end of the story. So what the fuck do you want, bitch? I didn't ask that. I asked. Oh, uh, what, what did you ask? I asked if you were functionally illiterate. 
Nah, nah, man, I'm literate, man. Watch A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, smoke weed. Ha, <laughs> right, bitch. Ha, <laughs> ha. Also, just because you can memorize part of the alphabet and then say smoke weed doesn't mean you know how to read. Give me a book, man. You're a catcher in the rye. Yeah. That song's about fucking. That's not a song. It's <laughs> not a song. It's a book. I can't anymore. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for stopping by, Tyga. I don't really know why you did, but. Nah, man. It's because I'm in Cincinnati for my show tomorrow with Young Dog. I'm Rich Homie Quan. All right. Well, great. Okay. <laughs> so, if you. I dropped top of my whip. <laughs> That's not you. That's Rich Make Homie you feel some type of way. Okay. That illiteracy you got make you feel some type of way. Yeah, the type of way you can't write, read a book at all. Nah, I write a book, man. What? Ghost bombs. <laughs> you read that book about the dummy? There was three of them, man. That was like a ventriloquist dummy, man. That motherfucker was crazy. Kill people, man, bitch. Okay. That is, first of all, you read the book about the slime from Goosebumps, Arl Stein, that motherfucker, man. <laughs> Why is he a motherfucker? R.L. Stein's that motherfucker, man. I'm going to tweet at him. All right, well, you go do that. I'm going to tweet at R.L. Stein, you just man. put Ryan back on? Uh, nah, yeah, hold on a second, man. Hey, Ryan, that's what I'm saying. R.L. Stein, I know. Just don't understand that shit, man. But he's just saying R.L. Stein's all fair. I'm going to tweet at him. Like, oh, my God. Like, this man, guy is so fucking like, annoying. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Hello? Yeah. Hey. I don't know why you let him sit down here. <laughs> It's hard, man. He's Tyga. He had the Lime and the Coconut song on the Rex City It's song. not hard. He's an idiot. He, he is an idiot, but he's a charming idiot. I don't know what to say. It's not charming. He's charming. No, all he does is like say four things, the same four things really fast. And then what? At the what end four of it, things? It doesn't matter whichever four things. And then at the end of it, he just goes, <laughs> until you stop talking. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm sorry. I, he influences me. No, he doesn't. Well, I I really like uh, uh-huh. YOLO. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> no one does. That's not true at all. <sighs> anyway. Thank you for listening yeah, to Big Snappers episode for 40. Snappers? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Well, do you hang out with Tiger too much that you're functionally illiterate <laughs> in some sort? Big Snackers episode number 49, uh-huh. which is titled Chris Connolly. Uh, wait, I can't remember. Now. I don't remember. Either. Oh, it says, let's do it, baby. Let's do it, baby. So thank you so much. We'll be here in a week and, uh, sending questions and follow us on iTunes and Stitcher and Tumblr and everything. And thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. <sighs> Bye baby. <sighs>